Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and um, and we've got a special edition of the show this week as we're going to be taking a look back at the year that was in European wrestling and uh, joining me today are Benno and Jamesy and we've got a special guest joining us, JP Houlihan from Grapple Spotlight. Uh, JP, thanks for joining us this week. Absolute pleasure, how are we all doing? Doing fantastic, and um, obviously the last episode was uh, James's big interview with David Starr, and a uh, fantastic job on that. I know you've had loads of uh, praise already, Jamesy, and um, he even made the main post-wrestling feed, but I just wanted to say what a fantastic job, really insightful mm. interview, and uh, really, really one of the best interviews I've heard all year. I don't want to make your head too big, but yeah, certainly fantastic <laughs> job with the, with the interview with Starr. I would like lads. I'm 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 a main roster talent now, guys. You know, so I'm only I'm like Finn Balor now, coming from the main roster back to NXT to to grace the podcast with my presence. You know, so I'm I'm on the big money now, guys. You know, on the main feed. Can't believe it, Jamesy. How, I tell you, uh, I tell you. I was going to say, on, like, yeah. if, if that podcast was like. David Starr's year in review. I'm kind of worried that we're about to do part two tonight as well. Uh, I think listening <laughs> yeah, to that sure. thing, I was like, yep, that's a highlight of Brit Res. Yep, that's a highlight of Europe this year. Yeah, I think it was like a rundown of uh, all the great and good from this year in Brit Res. Absolutely. And again, we should give a big thanks to David Starr as well. Like, you know, like I, I contacted him kind of chancing my arm that he do the podcast, but like he couldn't have been more accommodating with his time. You know, like I said to him before we started recording, like if we do 40 minutes to an hour, brilliant. And two hours in, he was still talking, you know, I nearly had to cut him short, you know what I mean? So huge thanks to him for giving his time, you know what I mean? It was, a, you know, he, he had no real need to kind of accept my offer of doing the podcast. Um, and yeah, delighted with how it turned out. And thanks to everyone for the feedback. Like it, 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 it means a lot, you know, when you put a lot of time and effort into doing a podcast like that, it's, it's really nice to hear the feedback from people. And, and I'm just glad that people enjoyed it and, and could take something from us, you know? Yeah, definitely. And certainly, uh, you know, fully deserved because it was a, um... Fantastic interview, but um, I mean, before we get into the main portion of the show, obviously, this is our big Christmas show. I don't think everyone's uh, feeling that Christmassy this year, are they, based after last Friday? But uh, Benno, (laughs) any plans for Christmas? Are you doing your usual uh, horror movie uh, marathon, uh, sort of horror Christmas movies uh, this year with all your mates? Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on, on Grapple last uh, this week. I didn't. Uh, I'm still looking for uh, for some uh, suggestions if anybody's uh, got any. But yeah, we'll watch all the old uh, classics like like Saint, uh, like I think Black Christmas is one that came out this year. We're looking at watching. Uh, we'll always watch the the Krampus films. For some reason, we fell into a pattern of watching Drumpy Cat Christmas. It's not a horror film, but it's quite scary. So there is that. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing that. I've got like. Two work. I've got one work night, Christmas night on Friday. Got a night out with my mates on Saturday, and then the movie night on Sunday. I'm expecting to be dead by Christmas Eve, so this might be uh, the last time you uh, you see me on two feet this uh, this Christmas period. Yeah, I sort of had a weekend like that. Uh, the sort of first weekend of December, it was uh, went down to London, and then uh, went out with some mates uh, around town, and then it was my work's Christmas party on on the same. We were, they booked a casino out on the same night as um, as the Anthony Joshua fight, so it was quite interesting seeing all Ooh. the mer- seeing all the merriment in our section of the casino, <laughs> and then going into the main casino and seeing everyone getting booted out for being too loud and obnoxious to watching the boxing match. So uh, yeah, pretty interesting night. But um, but yeah, as, as far as like going out for Christmas, I think I'm uh, I think apart from seeing family and that, I think um, 
that weekend pretty much killed me off uh, financially <laughs> as well as sort of like physically. Uh, James, have you got any uh, big plans over Christmas then or staying in with the family or, or what? Yeah, it'll, it'll be a pretty quiet Christmas. My, my kids are pretty young. So this this will be the first year that they both kind of understand the whole Santa thing, I suppose. Like they're, they're five and two. So it's, ah, it's extra special this year, you know. So it'll be, it'll be quiet Christmas. I, I ditched my work due. I, I, I work with an awful lot of middle-aged women. Um, who I have very little in common with <laughs> and with whom I have very little desire to socialise or be drinking alcohol around. So I, I, I politely declined the work Christmas party for the, for the ninth year in a row. I remember, I remember <laughs> a Christmas party. I remember going to a Christmas party about 12 years ago, back in my young, reckless days. And I had way, way too much to drink. And they did a, a secret Santa thing. We went to a restaurant and there was loads of wine on the go and everything like that. It was back in the, the, the Celtic Tiger era of Ireland that you you might remember, JP, where <laughs> money do. was flowing and we all had way too much money and way too much sense. And there was free wine flowing. And of course, I indulged way, way too much in this free wine. And the, the secret Santa, uh, I, I, I got a pair of socks out of the secret Santa bag. And I decided at the restaurant dinner table that I was going to put, put the new socks on. And then I had the then I had the bright idea that I was going to raffle off the old socks that I had been wearing, and <laughs> one of the last one one of the last memories I have is is throwing the socks down to the far end of the table and and they landing beautifully in some poor unsuspecting secretary's bowl of soup, and I was like, okay, that's the that's that's the end of me going to going to Christmas work nights out. I, I barred myself from going ever since, and it's probably the most sensible career move I ever made. I need some extra cheese to a tomato. Soup. <laughs> JP, you hitting the uh, mean streets of Oxford for a night out around Christmas then? I I am on Friday. I don't think I'll be going anything berserk. I, I'm kind of, I'm frankly, too old these days. And it, and it, you know, hangovers hit me for several days. But yeah. this Friday I will be. And then in between that, there'll be some times when I'm, I always tend to find myself meeting up with mates while the darts is on in a pub. I don't know. That seems to happen a lot of Christmases to me. So there'll be a point <laughs> where I pop down to see, um, to, to, to meet up with people over the Christmas period. I think that'll probably be happening. There's just always an image of Phil Taylor being quite a, a regular haunt throughout <laughs> a, lot, a lot of my sort of in between, uh, Christmas and New Year's period. Um, outside of that, my kids are quite a bit older, so the whole Santa thing has uh, disappeared. James, enjoy it while you can. It is, it is, it is lovely. Yeah, yeah. No, for example, you're going to get bangs on the door at like four a.m. It, it gets oh, quite brutal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know if they'll sleep at all that night, but yeah. I've, I have a couple of lads who basically want money. They're kind of just coming <laughs> to the chase, now, and uh, I refuse to refuse to indulge them. But it'll be nice. We've got some video games we're going to play together as well. So, yeah, it'll be it'll hopefully be a nice, relaxing period where I'll get to sleep in for a bit. Oh, and our last recording, Benno, you were off in Berlin for the Christmas markets. How was that? I can't believe mm. I forgot to ask you. Yeah, it was brilliant, to be honest. Like, they like they do it, like, nowhere else. Like, I think it's become a big thing in the UK, hasn't it? Like, Christmas markets. Yeah. Like, Liverpool's got a big one now as well. But there's nothing like the real thing. There's just so many over there. We didn't even get to all of them. They're absolutely massive. I had plenty of... Uh, there was a drink. Uh, I mean, the wrestling fan in me drank it because of the name. It was called Diesel. But it was half Coca-Cola, <laughs> half Pilsner. And it was at all the Christmas oh markets. God. 
and I think I got addicted to this. It's like that blend of caffeine and alcohol. It was like my uh, my drink of the winter. I think I'm going to be recreating that one uh, over the Christmas season, definitely. Uh, so but yeah, they were incredible. Half Pilsner and half like full fat Coke, then. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, because they do a lot of like, if you ever seen where they mix Coke and Fanta, that's a big thing out there. It's a, oh, a yeah. strip swap. Me and uh, JP have had a few of them in uh, Mezzo mix. Yeah, Mezzo mix. That's another famous one, yeah. So I was knocking them back. My girlfriend was having um, all of the mulled wine. We went to a Christmas market where when you got the mulled wine, you could top it up with your own rum and have as much rum as you want. And I said to Will Cooling, if you fancy say, just don't tell Will book, about that, book a couple of flights. If he booked a flight to Berlin, like no matter how much the flights and the hotel cost, the amount of money he'd, he'd save just on rum, <laughs> that man would clean up. Uh, for a weekend, so, yeah. <laughs> he'd be making money. <laughs> he really would. He really would. A few curry verses, as well. It's a hell of a time. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, so Robbie, picture of Robbie Brookside at the uh, Christmas market in Oberhausen. Uh, I didn't even realise that was a thing as well. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. They got. I think that's right outside Centro where we uh, usually uh, mm. pop through uh, mm. every day, pretty much when we're out there. It definitely looked a bit less bleak with all the uh, the Christmas lights out and stuff uh, for our Robbie. And um, obviously, the format we usually have on, on the shows this time of year, we usually sort of like go down in categories and dish out awards. But we thought we'd do something a bit, a bit different this year rather than just stick to the normal. Uh, we'll be looking at um, all the major promotions in European wrestling and talking their good and ba- bad bits from the year. Uh, and then we'll round out the show with uh, a few awards for like best wrestler and promotion, etc. Because obviously... I mean, uh, it's it's no big secret there's been a really tumultuous year in European wrestling this year. Obviously, the boom period seemingly firmly behind us of promotions closing down left, right and centre and some of the big guns seemingly struggling. Um, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. There have been some highlights in terms of matches and also a whole host of promising new faces. Obviously, the scene in Ireland has been going from strength to strength and having one of the most talked about storylines and rivalries of the year. So we're... I mean, to get this started, let's start on a high and, um, and talk about OTT, because um, obviously last year they had a, a fantastic year, and I was wondering how they were going to top it this year, but I think they more than delivered on everything. The, I mean, the continuation of one of the best storylines in wrestling, there were so many twists and turns in the star Walter Devlin triangle. I mean, it resulted in some of the matches of the year, Devlin star at home coming in February, then we had Walter Devlin at Scrappermania in March, Walter Starr at WrestleRama in June, and then ended the year with Starr and Devlin at the fifth anniversary in October. And uh, and obviously we can't talk about the promotion without talking about the promos from Starr and Devlin that were fantastic also, not to mention the incredible Sean Ryan videos. Just the presentation of the feud and the matches have been absolutely excellent. And not even stopping there with them. I mean, Morden Hype had some great six months, particularly the one against Alex Cuevas and Maria Michael Oku on the road to fifth anniversary show. That comeback of Katie Harvey and the reaction by Valkyrie on the same show was fantastic. Just the, the atmosphere and the crowds at these big shows are, are always great. Even Terry Thatcher on the Small Contenders show, Scotty Davis. I mean, I don't want to know all the points to save something for you guys, but what a fantastic year for your home promotion, James. I mean, you must be... I mean, this thing's on your doorstep, I mean, and, and they're having uh, one of the best years in wrestling out of all the promotions. Yeah, and it's it's like sometimes I kind of have to 
you know, the way you, you start complaining about minor things and you kind of start, you know, you don't like the way a certain thing is booked and you kind of have to nearly hit yourself a slap in the face and kind of remind yourself like that there was there was no wrestling to speak of in this country five or six years ago. And now we have a promotion that, that, that has a good claim to being the best independent promotion in the world, not just in Europe. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really hard to believe how quickly it's grown and how it's built up. And like it, it feels like we're in the middle of a wrestling boom. You know what I mean? I, I feel like we're at the point that maybe Britress was in 2016, where there's a, a, a really kind of invested fan base. There's a rabid fan base. There's people care about the storylines. You know what I mean? And and like you, you've listed a lot of a lot of the stuff there already, Martin. There's no point in repeating it. Like the in-ring has been tremendous. You know, um, a, a lot of the high-end matches there in that Star Devlin Walter feud are all over my top ten matches worldwide of the year. Um, you know, I, 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 and it's it's not just the main event stuff. Like, I feel like this was a really. I think they consolidated the mid card really really well this year, and kind of moving into twenty twenty, they've positioned a lot of the younger talent in in really good places. You know what I mean? So like twenty twenty was the year that. They kind of Debbie Keitel and Valkyrie found their, found themselves and, and and found a really really good act in the woke queens. Um, they found a place for Michael May in a tag team with Liam Royal. Um, Callum Black has been a big a, a big presence on the contender shows. He's another guy to watch. Um, and then the, the generation below is starting to filter through now. You know your Amy Alonzi's, your Club Rock Shandies, sixteen-year-old Justin Daniels wrestling the other night on the latest OTT contender show. You know, so like it's everything feels like it's in a good place. You know what I mean? And, you know, if you had said to me 12 months ago that Jordan Devlin would go on hiatus from the promotion. Now, I do think Jordan Devlin will be back at some point pretty quickly in 2020. But, like, it would have been unthinkable to me a year ago to think that he that, that OTT could do without him for any prolonged period of time. And now it feels like they can manage perfectly well. You know what I mean? Like, they have David Starr in the main event. Like, more than hype main evented the show the other night. Um, Scotty Davis, you know, is on the brink of the main event. The strength and depth is really good. And it's it's you, they're starting to be able to build the cards around the Irish talent now, you know. So, like, I think a big thing for the promotion would have been the last stadium show, the fifth anniversary show, that was a card that drew 2,000 people without any major, major international stars on it. Like in previous times, they would have had to bring in the elite or major New Japan talent to kind of bring a crowd in. There was nothing on that card except Irish talent in every match and well-built storylines. And like to be able to draw that many people to the stadium is, is speaks to how well they've kind of been running their show over the last 12 months. Um, like the, the the next stadium show, they've put, they, they feel confident enough now that they can put tickets on sale for the stadium shows without, without announcing anyone. And all the kind of front three rows of tickets have sold. They've built up that trust with the fan base, you know. Um, the big issue they had during the year was the loss of the Tivoli and they've managed to negotiate that pretty well and like they seem to have found a new monthly home in the, in the kind of last few months of the year in the KFRC. So now they have a really good tier of venues like they have the stadium with 2,000 seats they have the basketball arena or Shure Road, which are about eight hundred. They have the KFRC with four hundred, and then the Ringside Club with two to three hundred. So there's a variety of shows they can offer people there, and they can kind of tailor the talent they bring in to kind of match the size of those shows, you know. Um, so business wise, really doing well. And the other thing that, that that they do really well, and we should kind of compliment them on because it's probably something we can criticise some of the other pro- promotions on, is their VOD. They are unbelievably quick at bringing VOD out. Like within 24 to 48 hours of any show, they have their shows up online. Um, There's nothing particularly fancy about the way they're filmed, but they're filmed very well. The commentary is good. 
Um, and that's that's a big thing. Like, you know, you have progress with their five to seven days. You have RevPro taking up to a month to bring stuff out. Vital Pro taking a month. And here you have OTT being able to bring their stuff out literally within days. And it does help. It, it means when the matches are still hot in people's minds, they, they'll go and watch the VOD and that kind of thing. So, yeah, hugely successful year. And I suppose it's nice to kind of start what may well become a very grim podcast on a positive note talking about Irish wrestling. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, did the... Have they used any New Japan guys at all this year? Because obviously they used uh, quite a few in 2018, didn't they? Like you said, to bolster some of the crowds. Have they even used yeah. them? And, and obviously they, I know they've used the Lucha Bros and stuff as, as big imports. But have yeah. they even used any New Japan guys this year? I can't think of any off the top of my head, Benno. They had G.O.D., didn't they, on that show a couple of months ago? Yeah. Were they overdoing and it? And Liger as well. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, Lager, yeah. But, but uh, even, even he was a late replacement. It was meant to be Will Ospreay, and he cancelled, and I think Will Ospreay basically pulled a few strings and brought Liger in, so that wasn't even the plan. Mm-hmm. Ospreay was the plan, you know, so yeah, it, it, they've completely kind of pulled back from the New Japan thing and That's leaned more into the WWE thing as well, And it's but, but at the same time, like their, like that last stadium show had ROH talent, had AEW talent, had... Yeah. New Japan talent, British rest talent, Irish talent. It feels like we're kind of in this no man's land where nobody really cares what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I keep wondering when are they going to when when is Vince McMahon going to realise that we exist, or when <laughs> when are Bushy Road going to going to realise that we have kind of we have Mustache Mountain on the same show as Grill as a Destiny and that kind of thing. But look, at, say say nothing. We'll keep kind of winging it as long as we can, you know, because it's working yeah. so far. Yeah, they really really just seem to be bulletproof, don't they? And we say that yeah. every time we come to sit down to talk about OTT and they'll, they'll just pull another rabbit out the hat I mean that's interesting about the New Japan talent this year I kind of you know, like the you know the Mandela effect false memory of there being more New Japan guys being there this year but like you say there's been a couple and there's been people from all different promotions and they just get away with it and it's just it is I think you touched on something there James it's like it, it, it almost feels like OTT are in a bit of a time warp like they are they are the Brit Res that we used to rave about two years ago. Like, as David yeah. Starr said in on your interview with him, you know, it, the wrestlers talk about it as the best place to wear with the best crowds. Where did you hear that one before? You know, and it's got all the big matches. It's got the, the great storylines that we're not getting anywhere else, anywhere in Brit Res. Like, it's got all that going for it. And as well as that, yeah, it's just, like you said, it's a joy to watch from a distance as well. I've still never been to an OTT show. I know, uh, JP, you've made the trip the once, and we've mm-hmm. talked a, a million times haven't we about uh going out uh, again for you guys and for the first time for me but even from a distance it's a joy to watch just online like you say from the commentary to the cop the quality of the vod to even the little things like the fact that the music's actually good you know that all the lead promotions mm-hmm. in brit res uh, have fell into that you know terrible generic creator music type mode at ott you know for the big matches can still you know pray pat benatar when you know devlin and star are in there and it adds so much to kind of that quality and they get away with that too like i don't know what it is but yeah ott just seems to be on its island and seems almost immune from all of the problems that have uh savaged brit res over these last two years but they've got a bit of ingenuity about them haven't they because mm. it seems to be whenever they're met with problems they kind of know how to respond and they respond quickly and quite decisively and i'm wondering we're talking about how the card is kind of um the way it's building up, I'm looking at this, um, the the last card of the, the KFR Center, the um, Outer Space Odyssey, and it's wild, the card that's on there. And I'm just wondering whether or not it's just having the courage of your convictions to say, are we going to book a card like this? Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we've got Mao coming in and that we've got Ren Narita coming in 
and and Ray Horace and the Lucha Brothers and just sort of having the courage of the convictions to go with it. And I think what they've done, and I think what, what we wind up talking about a lot of with a lot of British companies, is there's an element I think they're very worn out and very drained by the events of the last couple of years. And because OTT have been able to exist, they've effectively been able to focus on themselves, not worry as much about sort of external events. And that's been the right way to do it and develop that talent and develop that undercard and recognize, well, what's going to happen when we don't have Jordan Devlin, because that's going to come sooner rather than later and work a way of building it up. And now you look, I mean, one of the complaints when I first started following OTT is that there wasn't enough um, Irish wrestlers on the shows itself. Now um, it's, it's every match. Like if you're bringing in an, if you're bringing in an import, you're like, we want to put them up against our local talent because you know, there is, they're really more than up for meeting the challenge. Yeah, definitely. And there just seems to be like a a never ending pool of talent from, for them to get to. I mean, Mm. outside of the main events, those more than hype six months have been some of the uh, best stuff on the cards. I think James did this year. Absolutely, yeah, and like one one complaint I would have had about OTT this year was that in the first six months of the year they they kind of restricted more than hype, or maybe even the first eight to nine months of the year they kind of restricted, they kind of kept more than hype on the back burner, and they weren't kind of pushed to the forefront of the shows, and they were kind of doing. Like a lot of the undercard in OTT would be kind of comedy tag teams, you know, the likes of your Club mm. Tropicana's and that kind of thing. And they kind of just had more than hype doing six mans and tag matches with the likes of those teams. And like, I know me and a lot of my friends who go to the shows were getting a bit restless, kind of thinking, God, like, could they do more with more than hype? But then all of a sudden, with, with Jordan kind of departing, they've kind of almost, you know, them and Scotty, I suppose, between them have kind of become the de facto top Irish ta- talents on the shows, you know. And like, like I think back to OTT, say, in, in the early years, and say they, they'd, they'd announced talent coming in, and they'd say, like, we have a Chris Hero coming. And you'd nearly be scratching your head thinking, God, like, who from OTT will they put Chris Hero against? You'd, you'd have Pete Dunne. And then maybe Ryan Smile, and that was it. And there was no one else. You know what I mean? And now, if you hear of a big name coming in, you're thinking, God, you could you could put them in a tag team match against more than hype. You could put them against Scotty Davis. There's options. Michael May. There's, there's lots and lots of options that you could put the, the Irish talent against. You know, and actually, a, a kind of a, a late match of the year, OTT match of the year contender for people who, who have kind of. You know, you know, the way people are already putting together their match of the year lists and they might sleep on matches that kind of happen in mid to late December. There was a contender show last Saturday night um, with more than hype against Moonlight Express. And I would urge people not to sleep on that. That was an absolutely phenomenal tag team match, like one of the best tag team matches, I would say, in Europe this year. And it shows now that, that those those more than hype guys like Darren and Nathan, I think 19 and 20 years of age, they're now able to hang with the best in the world. And that was always the thing, like when you have young wrestlers, you kind of wonder, God, will they be able to hang with the serious performers like your Mike Baileys and your Maus and your Bandidos, Flamitas, these guys, but they can't. They're more than good enough now, you know what I mean? And they, they, they're such a fresh matchup now for all these teams coming in, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, it's, it's fresh. You look at a lot of the British companies at the moment and look at their cards and it, it feels stale. Whereas with OTT, because there's this young generation of talent who's have never wrestled at all these top guys before, it feels fresh. Like, like at, at, there's a contender show in February and they're going to do LJ Cleary against David Starr. You know, 
totally fresh match, a really intriguing match, you know what I mean? And, and that's the benefit they have over maybe any other kind of promotion in Europe is freshness and new matches that people have never seen before. Well, I suppose the big question is, uh, Benno, can they keep this momentum going into 2020? Obviously, Star's the champion now. James, you know, with there mm. about Devlin maybe going on a bit high. As we talk about all the young talent, I mean, obviously, it's time for those to step up in 2020, isn't it? It definitely is. And as James alluded to, you know, I remember sitting on this podcast with you, Martin, and talking about OTT and kind of saying, oh, yeah, you know, the main events are good, but where are all the Irish wrestlers? Where are they? And now they're here. And now they're, you know, they're getting to a point where, you know, they maybe you wouldn't quite headline, you know, with a Scotty Davis quite yet. But, you know, that undercurrent is there. I think in 2020, the, the promotion is just going to be, I think it's going to be the another year of David Starr. I think if I'm them, I keep the belt on David Starr for the entirety of the year. Um, obviously, there's a story that can be told with Devlin returning, whether it's as the returning hero because David Starr has corrupted OTT and he does turn out to be the villain in the story. Uh, but I don't think that's quite written either. You know, just listening to, again, we're going to reference it a million times on this podcast, do the interview with James Uber Starr basically alludes to the fact that, you know, it's a bit open-ended what they're going to do next year with that. But, you know, the possibilities there of doing that. Osprey said he wants to, you know, work more OTT and RevPro mm-hmm. next year. So I'd imagine he's going to figure in somewhere. So I think as long as Star remains, you know, independent and remains at OTT, you know, he can carry the top of the card and you can continue, you know, having the lads on the undercard, the more than hype lads and Scotty Davis and, you know, that women's division that's just getting better and better. Another year of development for those wrestlers. If everyone stays in place, then it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how OTT is next year. Because again, you know, some people might have written them off this year and kind of said, oh yeah, you know, the, the story on top's incredible, but you know, what, what happens when you lose that? But I really do think the the pieces are in place that I don't see them, you know, capitulating like some of the uh, the Brit Res promotions did after their boom over the next year. And I think really, I, I don't see any reason to not think that uh, OTT is going to have a, a strong 2020, as strong as they had a, a 2019 uh, this year as well. JP, any final thoughts on OTT? Um, yeah, a couple on that. And uh, I'd, uh, following on really from Ben, I mean, it, it's just kind of underscoring how good in terms of training and training schools it is in Ireland, that there is this much talent coming through. I know, James, you brought up a lad who was 16 at that contender's show. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of what his name was. Something Daniels, isn't it? Justin, Justin Daniels, yeah. Justin Daniels. And there was a there was a clip I think you put up and I saw it and I was like, 16. And... It seems to me that that's one of the things, and I think it might be a theme that I'm certainly going to bring out of, of that one of the things that has sort of proved and continued to improve is the kind of level of training schools and the kind of some of the talent that are coming through that are very, very young. Obviously, there are issues in the UK about it. But I would say with OTT um, that, they, that they have that depth there. One point as well, just to bring back, I know James, you brought up about how like the cam, um, the production quality one of the things I noticed that they did is they didn't sit and didn't um, sort of sit sit down and, and sort of take it easy with that. I know Matthew Macklin went out and worked with WXW. There's a yeah. lot that he would have picked up from that as well. So there's a general aesthetic that's really solid. It would be my favourite comment, commentary team in um, certainly within sort of Britain and Ireland of of any of their. You know, I, I enjoy WXW as well. I think that you know, but. I look at the kind of 
where they are at the moment, if they're able to kind of stabilize and build that kind of mid card, that for me, I would say would be the kind of aim of the year, building up those young stars. And it's a good, good move to get several in there at the same time. I'm not sure if Scotty Davis over in Japan. I saw a photo of him and Will Ospreay today. Mm, but, um, yeah. A little tour there, um, you know, doing some work. It'd be fascinating to see where that goes. But I think him being in Japan seems like such a natural fit as well. So a perfect person to uh, take him under his wing as well, isn't he, Osprey? You know, the fantastic year he's been Japan and everything. So, yeah, but yeah, interesting to see if he does do any shows out there. But um, moving on to the UK now, um, moving away do from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and probably the biggest promotion in the UK, Progress, who've had a, a very tumultuous year, to say the least. Obviously, attendances at their stronghold, the Electric Ballroom, seem to have slipped and it's no longer the hot ticket as it was two years ago. Uh, seem to have a, a, a general lack of direction for the company. They've, they've tried things that don't seem to stick. Obviously, the Do Not Resuscitate faction at the top of that list. Uh, having to rely on former stars who've already said their goodbye to the company to come back to both ticket sales. Free owners' minds maybe not being on, on the company and being on their non-progress commitments. Uh, Jim Smallman announcing his departure from the company and... Uh, and just the, the atmosphere of the live crowds not quite being the same as it used to be. I mean, not all bad for me personally, though, as, as much as the in-ring wasn't as strong as previous years. I thought there were some highlights, especially at the start of the year before the mm. summer. Uh, Will Ospreay's return and the cool. reformation of the Swords of Essex with Paul Robinson. I thought they had some cracking matches with Aussie Open, especially the TLC match they had at Breadknife. Uh, Ilya Dragunov had some had some decent showings in matches with Jordan Devlin and Cara Noir in there. And the big tournament, Super Strong Style 16, it, not on the level of previous years, but um, had a good final between uh, Star and Devlin, and then uh, Devlin's match against Kyle Fletcher. So uh, some some decent in-ring stuff. But uh, Benno, a very turbulent year for the biggest company in Britress uh, there. Yeah, another turbulent year as well, because it was kind of the same story last year, but maybe maybe especially so this year it's interesting progress because i don't want to you know sit here and say all the all the things we always say about progress the same arguments you know year on year all the problems are still there i mean there are there are positives we should talk about the positives and negatives you know they're doing some some of the right things you know bleeding in you guys i do feel like that natural progression series show they had this year i think that was an important show as far as getting some new blood in front of the progress fans and running with a with a couple of people from that tournament so in some ways they should be commended for that in some ways we should give maybe should be a little bit patient in that you know if you're going to start going with younger wrestlers the cards aren't maybe going to be quite as strong. It's going to take time for those names to become bigger names. But then, yeah, on the flip side, you know, you'll give, you'll try and go in with that good faith. And then, yeah, you know, the the Ginny division that we thought was forgotten in 2018, that <laughs> horrible. Remember that year with the House of Couture and you know the, the the stable feuds and all of that nonsense and Ginny just. Being just overbearing in that division and outstaying a welcome. We're back to it now after the Sheffield show this weekend. You know, look at Eddie Dennis. I like Eddie Dennis a lot, but similar story as Ginny, as you said. They've they've both left progress and they've both come back and and taken the belts. I mean, I'm I'm very, very vocal about RevPro having, you know, their belt tied up in in New Japan, but you know, Progress are very much doing the same thing with it feels like all their belts constantly tied up with 
with WWE. So, yeah, on the one hand, where you want to kind of say, okay, let's have some patience. Let's see what happens when Smallman leaves at the end of the year. Let's see, you know, how they can refresh things with the new talent. It, it is, you know, a lot of the time, one step, one step forward and, and two steps back. And, you know, like you touched on, there's been a lot of, you know, good matches this year. You know, I think, like you say, we, we can't do a best of 2019 show and not talk about the Swords of Essex. I wish that run went longer. Uh, the, the mini feud with the Aussies, you know, the match with CCK, just in general, you know, that felt like Osprey was motivated. It was a great role for Paul Robinson. Uh, if that had gone on all year, you know, if we had a tag team of the year award, it very much would be those two. So they were a strong point. You mentioned Ilya Martin, and that's a big thing for me. I didn't even realize till I sat down. Uh, I looked at my matches for the year, you know, what I've, what I've rated on Grapple and what's, you know, what sticks out from progress. And surprisingly, you know, it's Ilya carrying it. You know, for someone who mm, had maybe yeah. thought when he first came into progress, he was maybe someone who didn't fit perfectly. He seemed a little bit weird. Did his character translate? We had CMJ trying to be like mini Paul Heyman. As far as the in-ring goes, you know, his match with Jordan in Newcastle, his match with Walter in Manchester, which was, as far as live matches go, one of my matches of the year. Uh, his series with Cara Noir, which has been, you know, a, a really strong series and a nice bit of booking you know where simple booking three matches you know best man best out of three wins you know even unofficially uh it's a nice little thing to do and a nice little quick story to go back to there you know some real strong points as far as the in-ring goes this year but you really do have to just take it with that pinch of salt of some, some of the bad of the booking of the nxt uk reliance of the fact that for a promotion that had full access to david star much like ott did they probably made the worst use of david star of any of the promotions he was strongly involved with and RevPro booked him to be disappearing for the last three months of the year you know what i mean if you're going to be that as far as bad use of a wrestler then you you're playing a blinder um yeah the that the again the weird eddie dennis title win kind of the which gave a really tepid end to kind of the the walter title run just uh I'd, say, I'd like to say a mixed bag for progress this year because there's been good and bad. But yeah, for every bit of good, there's just those bits of bad. Um, and I just think there really are there a promotion that was very much tied up in their identity as the punk rock promotion, the basically the, the Jim Smallman's personality as a wrestling promotion. <laughs> and now with Smallman going and with the NXT UK stuff over the last two years, they really look you know going into 2020 like a wrestling promotion that just don't know who they are. JP used to be a regular down at the uh, Electric Ballroom as well, didn't mm-hmm. you? Um, I'm assuming you haven't been to as many shows this year. I think this is the first year I haven't been to a single Progress show. Wow. I and, and it's not that hard for me to necessarily go there, but I really wasn't inspired by it. And, you know, hear a lot of uh, the points you were raising there, Benno, and agree with lots of it. We've spoken at length on Grapple's spotlight and various incarnations on it and on the kind of charting our disillusionment with progress as time went on and i just found this year this was the year that i didn't find that any it was it felt like a chore watching them at points and for any of the good there and i'm looking through my sort of matches of the of the year um for progress and i've got 4.25 4.25 and you know which is the swords of essex um aussie open match from there and you take away swords of essex you take away Ilya Dragunov, um take away super strong style 16 and it's been 
in terms of the ring, like, I wouldn't say tepid necessarily, but sort of quite underwhelming mm. um, with these little moments of, of pockets of good. And it's difficult to see. It feels like this unboxing show is going to happen. And then what? I don't have the faith necessarily that they're going to be able to launch into something that's going to create a buzz for chapter 101. That's, and if that's the case, and I don't know what season tickets like, I wonder if 2020 is going to be the year where are people going to renew the season tickets? Is there going to be, you know, is there going to be the sort of impact on the business? Because I think that's one of the things business wise, they've still generally managed to hold it together is, you know, it's a bit soft in terms of that fan base, but you know, is there a point at what point do people start to do what I did, which was be a regular and then just go, do you know what? I don't fancy going anymore because I'm just not feeling this. And so I always think back to that moment a few years ago, me, you, uh, me, Benno, Joe just looked over at each other when they were doing the WWE stuff. And it was like, something doesn't sit right in here. And mm. this feels like the kind of effects of that. We sort of saw really what, our fears would have been for this. And it's not just our fears. It's something that a lot of us had. And you mentioned about the title situations as well. And obviously we'll get into Red Pro in a bit, but yeah, I, I can't feel inspired by it. So Eddie Dennis, Ginny, it's like, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. Well, yeah, it's like that most recent Sheffield show. I mean, me and you, Benno, braved the snow that year for the, <laughs> the last show, didn't we? And then this year we're kind of like, uh, well, I had enough money. So either go to that or go to a gig the night after, and I was like, oh, I think I'll go to this gig instead. And yeah, wow. by the sounds of it, listening yeah. to uh, Grapple Gareth and the Ogden boys talk about it, we didn't we didn't miss a great deal by the sounds of it, I don't think. No, it doesn't seem like it. And yeah, I love that that winter trip down up to Sheffield, Martin, get to, get to see you and Lisa and take it a progress show. And yeah, I wasn't tempted either myself this year. And, and saying that, you know, that, that was that, that show looked like one of the stronger cards, you know, on paper that they've done. But it just kind of shows you the, the, the hammer and that brand and just the promotion is a, the very staleness of that promotion and just the general interest level. I think most of us have, have got in progress going into 2020. And, you know, to be fair, that show, did it do, what, 800 tickets, something like that? Well, a bit of an outlier. Speaking of mixed fortunes for progress this year, as, you know, like you said, they've had chapter shows at the ballroom that haven't sold out this year. So there is still a fan base there, and there is still a lot of people willing for it to be good. But, you know, maybe it's our bubble. But, yeah, even when it's a show like that, you still hear people come out going, well, like JP said, you know, this match was good and this match was good. But, my God, that booking. Uh, and that's just been the story of progress in, in 2019. And uh, moving forward, I mean, Jamesy, do you think uh, progress will be able to get over this slump in 2020? I mean, there's no Jim Smallman. Uh, Matt Taylor is just stepping in as the MC and uh, part of the creative team. I mean, uh, it's not been the best year for the company, has it? No, and it's, you know, I don't need to repeat all the points that you guys have made because I agree wholeheartedly with all of them. It's it's a promotion that currently has never felt less essential. Like I, I was just, you know, as you guys were talking, I was trying to think through the year. Was there any storyline or angle that kind of caught my attention from progress during the year? And nothing comes to mind. You know, um, they have quality wrestlers on their cards. And like you guys said, they inevitably will have good matches at times. And, you know, there's, there's a reasonable list of good matches there that you guys have listed. But like, that's the very least they should be doing with the quality they have at their disposal, you know. Mm. Um, and, and like the big advantage that those guys have above any other promotion is they're run by the people who are basically 
running NXT UK or at least they're very high up in NXT UK. So they don't get to use the excuse of wrestlers being pulled. And they don't get to use the excuse that, oh, like we, we, we put our belt on Walter, but then he became the NXT UK champion. So we had to run that kind of crap angle they did with Eddie Dennis coming in to pin Star because Walter couldn't be pinned. They know that in advance. Mm. They know well what the plans for NXT UK are. So they don't get to kind of blame NXT UK for any of the problems that they have. You know what I mean? Uh, they get access to more wrestlers than anybody else. They, they get to bring in a Cassius Ono and that kind of thing that really only them and WXW get to do. Um, I don't particularly think they use the NXT UK talent well. Like, like we did have Karen Noir putting... Ilya Dragunov over there at the weekend. But that seems to be a rarity to me. Whereas with, like, I feel like, and we'll talk about them soon, I feel like when WXW bring in NXT UK people, I see NXT UK guys getting pinned an awful lot more in WXW. I don't see it happening in progress for some reason. And again, you would think the people who run progress would have the sway to kind of do that. And like you're asking about next year, Martin, I think it'll just, I think they will, I think they'll limp along as they have been. Nick, I don't think anything will change. I think they will limp along as they have been. I think that they should count their blessings that they have such a loyal fan base. Like, I think they've... I think they've taken the piss out of their fan base, basically. You know what I mean? Mm. And they're... Like, they have a rabid, Mm. very loyal fan base that we, you know... They're almost cringy in a way. Uh, we, we kind of, we laugh at them sometimes for, for how loyal to progress they are. But, like, those guys have, have, have kind of... They've taken them completely for granted. You know what I mean? And and they've kind of realized that no matter how poor the product they put out, these people will stay loyal. Like they, they, they inexplicably still sell out the electric ballroom pretty much every time. Like it's slowed down a bit, but they still kind of have a full house in there most times that they run it. You know what I mean? And it's like that they've kind of rested on their laurels. And I feel like at some point the breaking point will come that those diehards will have enough of them. You know what I mean? And maybe that might motivate them to kind of try harder. But at the moment, it feels like just a promotion that's kind of in a placeholding pattern. It's it's not the priority of the people who run it. The people who run it have a bigger job that they do that kind of probably is worth more to them financially and is kind of on a bigger stage and progress is kind of secondary to that now. And they're coasting along and they're doing good houses and I don't see how anything will change, to be honest. And, and it's very sad. Like, you know what I mean? We, you know, it's kind of, it's a bit of crack to laugh at progress and it's a bit of crack to mock them and that kind of thing. Like, but we would all rather be sitting on here, you know, talking excitedly about how great progress was like it like you know we all think back to 2015 even 2016 progress how good that was it's much more fun for us to sit here and rave about how good of a year we had and how many great shows we went to like and like i've never once felt compelled to fly over to progress in the last few years to see a show whereas i you know if it had been a few years ago i probably would you know what i mean because it's just there's far better wrestling on my doorstep now you know so yeah it's a pity it's sad but i i really don't think it's going to change an awful lot to be honest do you feel the same as Jamesy, Benno? Obviously, you know, your mate Matt Taylor Richards stepping in. Do you think he's going to shake it up behind the scenes or do you think it'll be more of the same in 2020? Yeah, I think hiring Matt, who, you know, I do get along with, but, you know, it, hiring him, who him he himself would refer to himself as Jim Smallman Light, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a vote of confidence in, in mixing things up or changing things up. We've already seen the graphics for... For their, their show 101, the, uh, the Dalmatian show, it looks very much like paint-by-numbers progress. I don't think the presentation's changing. I don't think much has changed. I just think it's gone. We're going to be sat here next year having a similar conversation. You know, they'll do something cool, like when they put David Starr over Super Strong Style this year, and then they'll ruin it by not having whoever the equivalent is, or like 
like they did with David Starr on the next three shows or not give them promo time or just not give them an, an interesting view to, to sink their teeth into. Um, like I say, you want to be positive. You want to say, you know, Michael Oku, Cara Noir, pe- people who are starting to get, especially Cara Noir, get a bit of a, an impression on the shows. You know, people like Pretty Deadly, you know, I quite like as, a, as an undercard tag team. You want to see, you know, do more next year, although they did just chuck them in Do Not Resuscitate. So there's them shooting themselves in the foot again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think their their year is going to depend on you know how that fresh talent gets used compared to you know how much NXT UK we see way and over progress. But if the rumors are true, and again, deja vu feels like three years in a row we've said this. If progress end up on the network, and I say that with everything crossed, <laughs> <laughs> we're probably going to be see my more next question. Ben, I was going to ask you that three years in a row. Oh yeah, again, <laughs> like. I think I think this is the year, Martin. I think I think you know we just got the uh, the free network tier rolling out. The uh, I think the, uh, the the premium tier has got to be coming. So unless unless uh, Vince McMahon you know watches it and doesn't like the look of like a Michael Oku or or doesn't like Glenn Joseph's commentary or something, I think we're going to see progress on the network. But I think then it's just going to be licensed to have even more NXT UK guys on there. It's going to be licensed to not use the likes of David Starr, who seem to give indication to fans they like at progress that it was done with them uh yeah i just think it's going to be more of the same for every well-intentioned thing they might do even with you know a new owner in place or a new person helping run behind the scenes if not an owner uh i think even for all those good intentions there's just so much hanging over it with with nxt uk and like you all said with it not being the, the focus of the uh the other two owners and just being you know if it does become network programming I don't think we can really reasonably expect to progress to be anything different than it is right now, this time next year. JP, have you got any final thoughts on progress or anything that would make you uh, head back down to the ballroom next year? It's really difficult for that. One show I would like to go to, I'm still waiting to, to see if uh, any tickets come up on Twickets, is the unboxing show, because that for me feels like the kind of natural end to kind of my era of sort of progress fandom. For that being the case. Um, but next year, just like what Benno said, they haven't changed the aesthetic. I don't get the impression that they're kind of doing enough different to kind of make me see what a new incarnation of progress would be or what or how it would be booked. So it kind of feels like if it is going to be a paint by numbers year, then it isn't something I can see myself watching outside of being obligated to talk about it on wrestling podcasts. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, a couple of times this year, uh, all three of us have mentioned that, you know, well, we've got this progress show to watch for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's like James, you know, we don't want to be that way. But if it's that way, you know, you can't help but, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to lie about these things, do you? But if it feels like a chore, Mm -hmm. then, you know, there's something definitely wrong with the company. But I mean... uh, Moving away from the UK again and, and on to Germany and Jamesy, WXW, um, I mean, how has AE been for one of the mainstays of the European wrestling scene? WXW, I suppose it's, there's, a, there's a thing that happens to wrestling companies when, when they kind of become co-opted by WWE. We've seen it with progress. We've just talked about it. We've seen it with Evolve in America. We've seen it with ICW in Scotland. One of the things that happens when WWE kind of come to town and kind of, you know, get their fingers into a promotion, the promotions become less and less must see and they start to become inessential. And 
it's very, you know, and it's, you know, I hate sitting here saying it, but that is kind of what has started to happen slowly but surely with WXW, unfortunately. Um, I think back to WXW in 2017 and 2018, and I have very fond memories of the promotion at that time. I don't think I've enjoyed a promotion this decade as much as I've enjoyed them in that period. They felt fresh. They felt different to everyone else. They felt totally separate to Brit Rest in their own kind of way. They had their own talent. The booking was excellent. They did long-term storylines because they kind of had their own talent. They were comfortable booking in the long term and giving us the payoff to things years later almost. You know what I mean? And, you know, they they, they were the ones who kind of started the, the Star Walter thing. They, they had the Dragon of Return at Carrot 2018. Amazing moments. Like we, I think a lot of us on this podcast were here to witness that. You know, like coming out of Carrot 2018, I remember you guys being on podcasts and raving about how great WXW was, how how great the booking was, how they were building up their own stars, how great the atmosphere was, and kind of comparing it to Brit Rest and Brit Rest not looking as good compared to it. You know what I mean? And literally not long after that, WWE came to town and it really, to me, unfortunately, hasn't felt the same since. Um, like in that 2017, 2018 I felt like I had to keep up with WXW month to month. I felt like I had to watch the big shows. I was watching Shotgun every week. They had a TV show that I, that I kind of was appointment viewing for me on a Wednesday night. And it's at the stage now, WXW in 2019, where apart from the big weekenders, you could nearly hand wave everything else that's happening. And it's it, it, very little of it feels essential. And, and I keep I keep using that word essential. Progress feels very inessential. Outside of the big weekenders, WXW is sadly falling into that trap. You know, um, business is good. They put a graphic up on their Twitter during the week. And, you know, there are lots of big houses. They had kind of 10 houses that were kind of 800 plus. Carrot Weekend, they did massive business. I think they sold something like 3,000 plus tickets for the three days in total, Mm -hmm. which is serious business. You know what I mean? And when you're thinking that people probably paid 70 to 80 euro for those tickets, like that's that's a lot of money to be bringing in. You know what I mean? So the big destination weekends are still big business for them. But I did notice actually the Tag Festival, only one night of that Tag Festival was in their top 10 for the year. And I would imagine that wouldn't have been the same in the past. You know what I mean? So there's a kind of a sign of a little bit of slippage in business as well. You know, um, they still have high end matches. Like in, in, if I look at my top 10 to top 20 matches in Europe this year, there's a fair amount of WXW kind of sprinkled throughout it. But when you actually dig a little bit deeper, a lot of it is Thatcher and Walter. You know, and like, and that's me having a very specific preference for Thatcher that other people wouldn't have even, you know what I mean? He's, he's almost a niche wrestler that the people who like Thatcher love Thatcher, you know what I mean? So Thatcher would feature highly on my personal top lists. I don't know if your general fan would feel the same way. If you took Thatcher out of those lists, there's very little else there, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like the big strength before was the booking, like I said. I, I don't think the booking is as strong. I think they lost CMJ. Um, Last year, and it felt like the booking has slipped. Like they were, they were very much fine detail bookers before, and long term storytelling. And I don't see that happening anymore. Um, like a big example that I think of in 2019 for WXW is Lucky Kid. He won Carrot in March, oh. and it felt when we left there, we were all saying, "God, they've, you know, they are building a new star." And in spite of people being signed and that kind of thing, they're still able to elevate somebody in the space of one weekend, and they've totally and utterly botched. 
that guy since then. He, he got stuck in dead-end feuds with mid-carders and that kind of thing. And he feels like nothing now. It feels like they've completely squandered that. Like, And, and you know, it, I think the logical thing would have been to surely put the title on him kind of later in the year or maybe at Carrot this year. I can't see a feasible way. Like, it would feel strange to me for him to be in the main event of Carrot on night two this year when it should be a no-brainer that he's in it. You know what I mean? So they completely botched his push. Um, they had Bobby Guns as champion during the year. I feel like that was a poor title run from him. I feel like he didn't step up to the mark as much as you would expect a champion to do. I feel like the match quality, and they gave him some good matches, and I feel like the match quality just wasn't there. And I feel like he's a guy that maybe had huge popularity amongst maybe the kind of fly-in fans at the big weekends, and they kind of started to kind of book their big weekends around him. And he's kind of the guy who's in all the main events on the Saturday nights. Um, I just don't feel like he's lived up to it. Um, there are other kind of the other guys you would hope that would step up. Uh, Maria Salani, I feel, has regressed as a wrestler. I feel like Avalanche is a guy you would have hoped at this point would be a main eventer. Doesn't feel like he's pushed on as much as you would hope. Um, Walter kind of feels like he's less and less involved with them as time goes on. Like even even this week. He was replaced by Avalanche as the as the head trainer in the in the school, so he's not going to be around as much. Like this, like if he was going to be around, he would surely keep that job. Um, and because he's the NXT UK champion, they can't really book him in anything meaningful. You talked about Ilya Beno being the MVP of progress, yeah. um, I, you know. And again, because they can't use him regularly, like they, they they he kind of becomes a guy that shows up for matches rather than a guy who shows up in long-term storylines. So it's all, it just all feels like it's slipping. You know what I mean? And um, things like the music situation, they changed the music, which again is probably a red flag towards the network and that kind of thing. They told us, Benno, like when we went to that press conference that it was something they wanted to do. And I think <laughs> it probably, it probably does enhance the experience on the VOD that you don't kind of have this music play. You, you get to hear the crowd reactions to people coming out and the chanting, but it wasn't the same in the Turban and Halla. Without the music, I didn't feel either. You know what I mean? So that's kind of hurt the whole thing. Their English commentary is a disaster. Um, like, like they, they bring Alan Forel and Jeremy Graves over for the big weekends, and those two guys are excellent. But their regular commentators are like they're they're awful. You, you talk about the progress commentary being bad and Rev Pro Rico Bushido, like he's just so excitable and he says he says some things sometimes. Like he, I, I think he's passable when you have an Alan Forel there to kind of put the leash on him and kind of give him a dig in the ribs when he's kind of going too far and that kind of thing. When he's off the leash and he doesn't have a filter, he's actively bad. And like there are times when I will seek out the German commentary because I just can't sit through listening to those guys on matches. You know what I mean? And that's not good. Um, Their VOD service, you know, if we're going to talk about is excellent. It's one of the better streaming services out there. They are quick to get their shows out. The shows always look really good. Um, You know, they put their own content out on the service. Alan Forel has his own show at the moment where he's kind of on a weekly basis um, talking about classic matches from WXW history. So they do a lot of things right. And I do think the people running it are, are, are good people in terms of, you know, they, they seem to have the best interests of the company at heart. And I feel like they are managing the NXT UK thing a little bit better than the likes of Progress. But it just isn't what it is, what it used to be. You know what I mean? And as I said, I fondly look back to 2017, 2018, WXW, 2019, just isn't the same. You know what I mean? And, you know, Tag Festival, we were there, Benno, as well, at Tag Festival, and it it delivered in some senses in terms of the non the non-tournament matches, but the tournament itself was very poor and it under-delivered. And 
I feel like they really need to have a, a big 16 carat because if if that kind of is a little bit underwhelming, then the kind of the good faith, like they, they've become very much a destination promotion kind of every mm. March, every October, people go over. But that won't last if, if the shows are underwhelming and people will, you know, people will vote with their feet and stop traveling and that kind of thing. And I think this 16 carats in March is 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 a bit of a turning point for the promotion. And, and if that doesn't kind of deliver, then I wonder how many people will continue to travel over in, in the, like I, I hear people that I know saying it like, you know, this needs to be a good carrot or I probably won't do tag festival in or they've, they've called it something different now and it's going to be a five day festival and that kind of thing. So it's like, but at least, you know, the, 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 there is that point that, you know, you talk about you're, you're talking about progress, and are they going to change things? At at the 19th anniversary show last weekend, they announced that they're not actually doing tag festival this year, and it's going to be a five day, some kind of a five day festival of wrestling instead. Mm-hmm. So at least they're kind of acknowledging that maybe in 2020 you can't book a good tag tournament anymore. That there just aren't enough good tag teams out there to kind of make it viable. And they're trying. I don't know what that entails, and they haven't kind of give, elaborated on what exactly that that new thing will be. But at least you could say they're trying something different. You know what I mean? So, you know, um, there are the high-end matches. I would say the the Thatcher-Bobby Guns match from night two of the Tag Festival would be in my top 10 in Europe for the year. Um, the Thatcher-Yuki Ishikawa match, again, would be a match that I really enjoyed. Um, the the Walter match against Phoenix from Carrot mm. was, was a phenomenal match. One yes. of the more unique matches of the year. What Walter's Carrot in general, actually, like the, the, the three or four matches he had that weekend were phenomenal. You know what I mean? But it feels like they're leaning very hard into a couple of guys to have the high-end matches. Take those away. And there's not an awful lot there underneath, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's kind of, as I said, a, a definitely a down year and a company I have a lot of concerns about. And a company, again, sadness is the thing I feel because I loved WXW so much, like, as I said, a couple of years ago, and I was really invested in them. I trusted them, you know what I mean? I felt like I, I, I could go to a carrot or a tag league and, and I, I would get a great weekend of wrestling. And now I have doubts about that, you know. So, again, it's the NXT UK influence, unfortunately, you know. That can okay, respond to that. Know, I was say. <laughs> you guys are known for going over for those yeah. uh, big weekenders as well, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, probably lost for words there because Jamesy's hit pretty much every point you'd want to on WXW because that is the that is the state of affairs. Like I would, I probably describe myself as like a, a temple WXW fan. You know, go out there for the tag festival, go out there for carrots. You know, J- JP, you're obviously in the uh, yeah. Same boat as me, and you know I'll look to someone like like you, Jamesy, to you know let me know that we're out. one of the month to month happens. You know I'm not I'm not any in Hamilton who was over there for the anniversary show last week who you know does the Lord's work in uh, keeping everyone up to date with what's going on with the the month to month WXW. You know it's a promotion I kind of keep half an eye on the rest of the year, but I'm in there for the big weekends. And yeah, I can only really say is for me as far as being at the two big shows this year, I would say Carrot was very good. Maybe not great, but very good. And I would say Tag League was good. And that's probably as far as I'd go. And I think, you know, for the Tag Festival this year, it was just a it was a case of, you know, I went out there kind of because that's what we do. We go out, we do these big Germany weekends. And, you know, I enjoyed the social aspect of it, of course. I enjoyed, you know, the media aspect of it, of course. You know, we got to, like you said, the James, he asked a couple of questions of what's going on right now in WXW. I almost almost felt bad you know when there was like uh i think that they, they they were nobody was volunteering to go first and ask a question and i just jumped in with 
basically asked them, why have you booked Lucky Kids so shite this year? And, you know, I always felt like I was jumping the gun on that because, yeah, he won Carrot. And then what else has he done since? And, yeah, it looks like his, his year's got even worse because to believe the uh, Ian Hamilton's uh, report back uh, of backbodydrop.com, he was essentially getting booed by the fans at their anniversary show. So that just shows you how, how he's fell from, from, from a booking point yeah. of view. And, yeah, you know, I, do, I still see it as a big weekend. I love going out there. I love seeing the people out there. Um, but, yeah, same as you, James. I hear the same things. The amount of people at Tag Festival this year, you were like, yeah, you know, I'll probably do Carrot, but it's probably going to be my last time out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear that over and over again. So as far as those big weekenders, maybe, you know, attracting people worldwide, I think there's a problem there too. And, you know, th- there might be Germans listening to this, you know, the odd German who do who does listen to, to our podcast who are enjoying it. You know, maybe there's a disconnect there, perhaps. Maybe this, you know, this new Bobby Gunn's uh, stable that they've gone the whole way with, you know, taking the belts off Thatcher so soon after Tag Festival and, and running with Bobby Gunn's again as champion after, like you said, Jamesy, a bit of a, a weak run this year. Maybe there's Germans out there. Maybe the local fans are going to be bang into that, and that's something creatively they really want to see. But, yeah, you know, as a self-confessed uh, Temple fan, it's hard not to notice that it's a different place, and a lot of it is, like you say, the uh, the NXT UK difference. They've navigated those waters better than most, but there's still it's a different vibe about the promotion right now. Joked at the top about Robbie Brookside going to their Hall of Fame, but come on, Robbie Brookside, I know he's done WXW in the past, but we all know what that is. We all know what's going on with you know with NXT UK. They've managed to maybe hide the symptoms a little bit. But yeah, with Walter stepping away, who, as you said, Jamesy, very much carried Carrot uh, this year, I thought, as far as the uh, the big matches go. I think maybe in 2020, we might start to see more of those effects. So yeah, for me, I wouldn't say a disaster of a year for WXW, but it was a it was a good year when, you know, two years past, we'd be talking about... We talked about OTT at the, uh, the top of this show. Yeah, it was um, following on from you guys. I mean, there's this. I can't disagree with any of what you said. Thinking of it from a business perspective, it feels like this was the year. I want to say it plateaued, but it does kind of feel like it plateaued. Like there was exponential growth in 2016, 2017, 2018, even. But for me, it's it's a personal thing. But um, I know certainly a lot a lot of us were there was when they played the Canyon Seaman video from uh, at 16 oh, Carat and how it kind of killed a vibe. And on a weekend when we've got a new Star Wars film, it did feel like the shadow of the evil empire was very much kind of <laughs> all over all over the place and very hard to avoid. Um, instead of Darth Vader, we had, we had Canyon Seaman instead. So, and and those things, it's that kind of general disconnect of what independent wrestling fans like us want from what what happens when the WWE influence comes in. And in terms of, and you summed it up, James Jamesy, is it doesn't it makes stuff it doesn't make it special anymore. It no. does take something away. And I I would have to say, you know, agree with the booking, agree with what they did in terms of changing the concept of of the tag festival. Cause I loved the 2018 version. I thought, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. And this one I wasn't there for. And to be honest, I didn't feel like I regretted not being. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like you, Ben, I'm a tent pole fan when it comes to WXW. 
I'm glad that they've got enough of a good training school and enough good young wrestlers to be able to fill some important gaps on the card. And I still think they're more, um, they've got more ingenuity about them when it comes to their scouting as well. And some of the people they bring yeah. in, I want to say, was there someone called Layla Hirsch they had in who seemed to get, um, yeah, she was great. Yeah. Who you see, I mean, and that's one of the things they're really good at doing and they still are able to do that and think outside, outside the box. Um, but like you said, uh, Jamesy, when it comes to 16 carat, that's going to be the test. There is the potential for them to do it, to book what you'd like to think of as either their guys and not um, WWE contracted guys and genuine independent talent. Mm. And there is enough good good stuff out there. Who have they announced? They've announced um, Alex Taurus. Shelley. Alex Shelley is going to be there. Um, you know, they, they're going to get a, some some good people in. I'm more intrigued by that. I, I'm, I would. It sounds like awful to wait until the very last minute, but there is a part of me thinking they need to sell me on that card before I make mm. the effort to go out there and, yep. and and watch it. Well, I mean, we've no, we've discussed um, the sort of like biggest promotions in Europe, and um, and it seems to be very up and down. But I mean, moving back to the UK and. Nobody's had a more tumultuous year than the next promotion we're going to talk about, uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling. And what could have been a banner year for the company? Saw some very high-profile matches, had some very dodgy finishes. Pac's big return to the company, saw some highly anticipated matches go against Zack Sabre Jr. and Win Ospreay. Both excellent matches until we got to the end and some awful time limit draws, which seemingly has turned the crowd off in a big way. Uh, they went attitude here at WWE with their big match of the summer to being Will Ospreay and David Starr, which, again, was another excellent match for the first 20 minutes before we had all the bells and whistles and kitchen sink thrown in for the finish of the match. I mean, I know a lot of it made sense in terms of the story they've been building between Starr and the owner of Red Pro, but I think maybe even Mark Dallas might have been wincing with how many like ref runnings <laughs> we saw at the end of that match. So, yeah, not only the incident between Josh Bottom and the referee at Summer Sizzler, which... Uh, the company could have handled better, especially when Josh Bottoms out there putting private messages between himself and Andy Quilden on Instagram. Uh, obviously, poor turnout. Uh, your call of the show, and and you know the latest your call show, and then the smaller shows in Southampton never seem to go over double figures. However, they did have some good stuff in the ring. Aussie Open and Suzuki gone had a great tag team match at Epic Encounter. Baby Star and El Fantasma had a good ladder match. So, yeah, really tumultuous year for uh, for Red Pro here, I thought. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Who's that? Who's that? As, as Martin starts talking about uh, about Rev Pro's year, it seems like it'd be rude not to have, um, and he loves being called this, Rev Joe. Come on. <laughs> door, Martin. Is he all right yeah. to jump in? Oh, oh, so I mean, we couldn't talk about Red Pro without having Joe, and really, could we? Well, I'm invading your podcast, Martin, in the same way that NXT UK have invaded, taken over, and killed British wrestling. So I'm going <laughs> to kill the British wrestling experience after you banned me going back to what's happening. So, Always start welcome, the year of a bang, everyone you're going welcome. to end the year of a bang. You up? I said everyone welcome, Joe. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. Much appreciated. I feel like this is my um, Daniel Bryan return in 2010. I strangled you on that first show, Martin, with a tie, and I've thrown <laughs> out that. Uh, Wouldn't be a year-end show without you, Joe. Come on. Uh, yeah. 
Omi or Mattel sponsor Martin lost out on, you know, but they're all right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Rev Pro, I think, can I just ask for you guys, when you think Rev Pro in 2019, can I get an answer from each of you? What's the first thing you think about? You. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oku. Michael Oku. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, David. Josh Bodum. Bodum, yeah. Martin? Yeah. yeah, same for me. I think it, that was a big stink that was hard to get rid of this year, I think. Or, or, or actually, James, you can have Josh Bodum and I'll go with fuck finishes. Okay. <laughs> I'll, go with, I'll go with David Starr and LP on their feud. That's the thing that I remember most about Red Bro this year. Okay, so we got from, you know, my uh, fellow partners from the Grapple Spotlight podcast to uh, quite positive things, you know, a couple of glass half full type of fellas. That's the sort of podcast we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you guys gave us some very uh, negative answers, and I was thinking you were going to go with a more kind of uh, negative end of the year, because I think when people think RevPro for the most part this year, they're going to think of the failures and the things that didn't they didn't pull off, rather than the things that they've done well, because I think the things they have done well, and I think the LP David Staffy was great, I think Oku's push has been good as well. But I'm going to remember this as a year of failure because it's the year where the buzz has come even further off the promotion. I think it was going a bit in 2018, but it was still there. And I think ultimately 2019 has not been a good year for RevPro. I think there feels like there's burnout across the board. You look at the big shows. I've had five York Hall shows this year. Only two of them have sold out. One of them was that Osprey Pack match, and the other was on the high stakes. We- uh, sorry, high stakes, the Royal Quest weekend. So uh, you look at that, and it, you know it's got to be part of an attraction weekend, or you've got to have a killer match at the top of the card, I think, in order to sell out a York Hall show at this point. I think there's a lot of burnout all around on Rev Pro. I think Andy Quilden is burnt out himself. And I think they've been a bit tone deaf and maybe fallen behind the times a little bit. For me, the year started off bad when you had uh, the Zack versus Pack match on the first weekend of that year. I think that was the last cockpit show that JP went to. And we had this great match and then we had the absolute worst finish possible that you could ever see in this type of match. You had this Matt Wrestling Classic going really nicely, building epically, and then a fuck DQ finish. And for me, it set the tone for the entire year. They got something dramatically wrong that weekend. They also had that that terrible Queen of the Rings tournament that weekend, Mm. which was just just kind of drab, if anything. And yeah, the year's just not been great. There's been bright moments in an otherwise kind of drab year, to be honest with you. And it's quite sad. Yeah, I mean... I can, I can go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's, that's been quite sad. But I mean, do you not think they had some more stability towards the end of the year? I mean, the British J-Cup was a solid show with a great women's match on, decent main event. I mean... The jury's still out on whether them folding Southside into the company and running those towns um, maybe help bring some money and eyes to the company. Well, the second half of the year, I think, has been quite interesting because you've had the Southside uh, move, which has brought some new talent to the company. It means they're going to expand their horizons by exploring some new towns as well. Now, I think talent is something that's a bit up in the air in RevPro at the moment. Like, you think in the last year, they've had quite a few guys actually leave and have had to replace those guys and I don't think they've always done the best job of replacing them but it's been quite awkward you think this year they've lost who have they not used they not used Walter this year Chris Ridgeway's gone uh, 
El Fantasma only seems to be on the bigger shows now. Um, Chris Brooks has disappeared. A Kid ended up going to uh, NXT UK. Bodum, obviously, there's that incident. David Starr as well. Even Chris Roberts has gone. So they've brought new guys in because they've been forced to, and they've brought guys in that have come from Southside. But the guys they've brought in are pretty handy, but they're still trying to familiarize them with the audience. And, you know, it's not an instant fix. And a couple of the names I mentioned there, David Starr, I think, is the biggest one. I think Bodum's a big one as well. But Starr was Rev Pro. Starr has been Rev Pro for me. He's been the ace of Rev Pro ever since Marty Skull left. You get Osprey and you get Zach there still semi-regularly. Osprey a bit less so than Zach. But Starr was there. He was the mainstay every month. He was working Rev Pro around the country. And his storylines were the crux and were the drive of the promotion. And I realized now that it was kind of him and his storylines that were keeping me going back every month. And since Star went in August, those cockpit shows have got increasingly worse. Um, the talent mix is kind of a bit all over the place. Because at the moment, it feels like we're left with really New Japan Young Boys, the Rev Pro Contenders Division, um, and a few sort of mid-card Britrest guys who are desperately trying to get over but aren't really at the position where or really at the point in their career where they're ready to get over to the point they need to because they've not been resting long enough and they're not established enough of anything. Like There's a big opportunity there in Rev Pro for, for someone to step up. But it's whether anyone's got the ability to step up. They've made Oku, as JP mentioned this year. And I like Oku. I think he's in a great job. I think the match with Pac that he had at the cockpit in June this year was a really bright spark and probably the best match Rev Pro have put on this year in an otherwise quite drab year. But I, I'm still not convinced that Oku is there as a wrestler in order to carry the company. And you're putting so much pressure on that young man's shoulders. Uh, what is he, 21, 22? He's been wrestling about two and a half years. He's younger than just 20. Yeah, Jesus. Like, that's, that's insane. But they've been forced to do it, and they have done a good job. But you look at the attendance at the last Your Cool show on Sunday, they drew about six to 700, I reckon, at, at most. And I can't see that they're going to carry on drawing at York Hall shows unless they manage to get um, fresh New Japan talent in that they've not overused, or if they can book a big-time big, big time main event. I said it on the last Grapple podcast, if you book a Zach Ospreay, you sell out. If you book Ospreay Oku, I reckon you probably sell out as well. But you've got to have that name there. And I think guys like Pac... I don't think necessarily draw for Rev Pro in the same way. And I think they've used so many of the same New Japan guys over and over now that they're not drawing as much. Look at LIJ, for example, Sonada, Evil. We get over it so much. Benno got them in Manchester early this year as well. And they drew like 600 to Manchester. And that was Rev Pro's return to Manchester. They've really made no advances in the north at all, um, which is a real shame because I think there was an opportunity there, especially with progress not running so much there. And when they tried to break into new towns this year, they've really not drawn in many of those new towns. I don't know if you went to that Sheffield show, Martin. But did, it, seemed yeah, like that... it, was, uh, it was really poorly attended, even worse than when Southside were there. But that, I suppose, in a way, there were no big names really on the show. Yeah, but this year they've run the most towns they've ever run. They expanded into Bristol, Guildford, Cheltenham, Northampton this year. They didn't Sheffield. do Leamington this year, did they? They didn't do Leamington this year. Last year was their last year. But I, really, I think Guildford drew about 300. I think Bristol Bristol did under 100. Like This mm. is a, a big metropolitan town we're talk, city we're talking here, right? That's kind of shocking for a place like Bristol. Yeah. So they're not 
getting people in in these places. I think there's a real problem with the advertising and marketing and the branding of the promotion, if anything. And I think that this is at a point where BritRest isn't cool anymore as well. And a lot of the shine is being taken off of BritRest, so it's becoming harder to draw. Um, and, yeah, I think they need a real kind of change somewhere along the line. I don't know if they're going to use the south side guys to try and boost – Uh, what they're doing in some of these towns and maybe try and use what they would do previously to market and advertise the shows. But yeah, it feels like there's been a lot against RevPro this year, but what they've had going for them at times, they've kind of messed up by felt with their own and not so much felt with their own at times. I, the Josh Bodum incident, which I think is the kind of defining moment of the year for RevPro, which is, on the a defining card of the year for them, really, wasn't it? Well, I think that's one of the other things. You look at the Your Call mm. cards, and early in the year, you've got the Osprey Pack match, which people felt burnt by because of the absolutely shocking ending. Um, people went home unhappy, and then people went home kind of unhappy after that show as well because people didn't like the Osprey David Star match. You had the Bodum incident on the card as well, which spilled over afterwards. You got a lot of bad publicity. It felt like MK after McKinnon that, and the injury. MK McKinnon fucking up there as well. Yeah. yeah. It felt like after that, Rev Pro were kind of on a hangover for the rest of the year or up until that Jacob show, if anything, from that Josh Bodum incident. And yeah, it feels like they've not really recovered from that to me this year unfortunately well Osprey's an interesting one because I just looked up then and um, he's only actually appeared on four Red Pro shows this year one of which was that um, Wrestlemania weekend one so yeah like you say it'll be interesting to see next year whether uh, cause he's he's claiming that he's going to be back over here doing more Red Pro and OTC shows and they could certainly use him especially on them your call shows I think if you have him um, well, I'll throw this out to any of you. Can you see David Starr returning to Red Pro next year, or is he is he done with the company now? He's got to. He's got to. You think, like, yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, I mean, they book this themselves, though. You know, who books like your top guys have been gone for for, for however long it's going to be? I know you've got to sell the story, but I think they called an audible and brought him back because, yeah, I, I think yeah, Red Pro have suffered this year from. You know, losing guys because of other reasons. You know, WWE going going with A-Kid. You know he was going to be a player in Red Pro this year. Uh, Bowden was kind of all reliable. You know, I think he was going to get a few spots at the top of cards and, you know, upper, upper, upper mid cards at the very least. Like, he's gone because of an external reason. MK McKinnon, they tried to go with, but he's crap. So that's the reason <laughs> they can't use him anymore. Like, but also, you know, but the, the, the whole thing with, with, you know, Osprey and Zack Sabre and that are elsewhere, but stars like self-imposed. I just don't get the logic in, in doing it. They've got to bring them back. I just don't think they haven't got the, the, the space at the top of the card. They haven't got the people to replace the top of the cards without him, without El Fantasma on, on the shows. Like I say, their feud was the, Absolute highlights of Rev Pro for the start end of the year, and it was Rev Pro. You know, like Joe said, David Starr was Rev Pro. You've got to get him back in some form. As long as you know those dirty, dark Twitter rumors about potentially David Starr signing a contract somewhere. Uh, as long as they're not true, and I don't think they are personally, I just don't see a reason not to have David Starr back next year. He's for the sake of Rev Pro in 2020, and for the sake of our sanity, having to to watch their shows and then review them on uh, on podcasts like this, he needs to be back next year. Yeah, the cards have lost sort of part of the kind of heart and soul of what was making the promotion tick over with that star there, without a doubt. 
but also without, like you said, Beno, a Bodum there who made for something quite unpredictable. Yeah, that's not always a good thing, as we discovered. Uh, but even El Fantasmo stopping appearing on the smaller Rev Pro shows because these guys were intrinsic to those sort of Rev Pro regulars, those sort of 200 regulars. We go to the cockpit each month. We go to some of the smaller shows around the country. And they sort of all went at the same time. It yeah. felt like Phantasmo went in sort of May, June. Star was gone by August. Bodum was gone after August. So the tail end of the year, when I say it's been a hangover, it's been a hangover trying to get over the moment and trying to replace the guys and trying to keep interest at a steady level as a result of the bad press that they really have gotten on the back of those poor, that poor booking and those poor incidents this year, if anything. I think another point to take as well is Martin mentioned the WrestleMania weekend. They haven't announced anything for WrestleMania weekend next year. And to me, that's a sign of them possibly not getting the New Japan guys for WrestleMania weekend and sort of realizing that they haven't got enough buzz sort of worldwide mm-hmm. at this point to actually go over without the New Japan guys and pop a crowd, if anything. Because the New Japan guys are what really brings... Uh, crowds to those shows if anything on Wrestlemania weekend mm. yeah and I mean as much as I love the WrestleCon shows and stuff you've got to imagine that uh, New Japan if they are going to be running Wrestlemania weekend in some capacity they're not going to want Tanahashi appearing in some small venue are they they're going to want him on their bigger shows and exclusive to them and it'll be interesting to see he did uh, last year mate he was at WrestleCon before, oh, yeah, night before do, um, Madison Square Garden New Orleans as well he was there as well but I mean if they are they are thinking about going more, you know, New yeah, Japan, USA. US. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna just want their guys exclusive, aren't they? Mm. Also, I suppose it depends what they U- what they're gonna be doing in the UK as well. If they do more shows in the UK, then they might uh, be less inclined to uh, give Red Pro some of the biggest stars. Hence, why we're just seeing the likes of uh, the, the same Lij guys coming over the same over and over again. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think Sonada, I think he's going to become a regular. Uh, oh, York does he have to? He's going to the champion. <laughs> oh, he is, James. Yeah. He's going to win he's us. He's getting that belt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'll be he there is. to witness it live. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be witnessing, like, Sonada and Jay White's coronations on the seat? Same Ooh. weekend. Exactly. God. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm sitting next to WH Park, so I won't quite see his meltdown when uh, Jay was coronated. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, oh, fantastic to have you back on, Joe. And can I, before anyone sends me any hate mail, I never ban Joe from this show. So. <laughs> rumor. Are you going to stick around for the rest of the show while we go into some more uh, Brit rest? Yeah, can I make one last point about Rev Pro before yep. we move on? One thing I'll say from as well, I feel like as a company and as a promotion, they're slightly behind the times at this point as well. Um, you look at the say, like what's going around the country and in various promotions where we've got a lot of moves to sort of meme wrestling. And I think Andy Quilden is a guy who's very much of that kind of character and work rate era where that we're sort of a part of, if you ask me. And I don't think he necessarily engaged with that meme stuff uh mm. curtis chapman's trying it and it's really standing out and it's really working because he's the only guy really doing it in rev pro now i wonder if some of the younger guys are maybe going to have a little bit more input with the booking in rev pro next year possibly because maybe quilden is feeling a bit of burnout and is feeling that maybe he's not engaging with a younger audience quite as much as he previously did because that younger audience 
are now us and we're a lot older. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we might see a bit of a shift next year, possibly, but that's me only speculating. But yeah, I, I won't be renewing my season ticket next year at the cockpit. Um, and if we get more meme wrestling next year in Rev Pro, it'll be for good reason. I mean, Jamesy, they finally booked more than hype after ev- seemingly every other promotion in the UK have already used it. Yeah, and like that, there was a time when when Rev Pro and OTT seemed to be kind of have a little bit of a relationship going on, where like they would put each other's shows on their VOD, they would kind of they would go havers on weekends for New Japan talent and that kind of thing, and like I we always said it like that that should have been the time that Rev Pro were starting to kind of fly those Irish guys over and get in. They had a chance there to get in kind of ahead of everybody else, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And imagine how much stronger those cards would look. If more than hype had been regulars on cockpit shows, say all the way through this year, Davis, you know what I mean? That they were the biggest, kings Davis. of the north yeah. they've just brought in. Yeah, yeah. Any of these like fresh teams that that would just freshen the whole thing up. But, but I mean, imagine the rapport and more than hype would have built up with the crowd in the cockpit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That they would yep. they would have gotten over and they would be ready then to go on to big shows and that kind of thing. And now they're kind of starting from scratch and now they're in huge demand. So I mean, how many shows will they even be able to do for a Rev Pro? Because Progress are probably going to want them. I have heard that WXW are going to want them in 2019, so they won't get to have them anymore. But whereas if they had kind of built up a relationship with them over the year when those cockpit shows were very light and built up a kind of an established trust with them, they could have been Rev Pro guys by now and they missed a kind of a trick completely with that, you know. And the other thing that I just wanted to say very quickly about Rev Pro, uh, like as a fan who can only really watch them on VOD, their VOD is awful. You know, it's it's it's. It has improved. I must say that for him. Yeah. There's no uh, yeah, but, the, the wiping the camera lenses and that. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. It's like second rate stuff. You know what I mean? The camera yeah. work has been notoriously bad for years and years. Smudged lenses. The VOD taking three or four weeks to come out at time. The commentary isn't very good. Things like that matter. You know what I mean? It's it's like it, it makes the experience of going out of your way to find them unpleasant it's not a pleasant viewing experience you know what i mean whereas it, at least with a, a an ott it's it's the commentary is good they come out quickly the camera work is decent you know and it does make a difference you know what i mean if you're kind of choosing between paying for a month of ott or paying for a month of rev pro you're going to pay for the one that looks good you know what i mean and not the one where there's a guy wiping the lens with a tissue halfway through a match like it's it's they shambolic they weren't, you know? they weren't though the smudges were staying like for the majority of the yeah. show weren't yeah. They? yeah but also yeah. i think that's a point of them being sort of stuck in the past as well because I think they've got kind of mid 2000s kind of indie production value yeah. still oh, yeah. and they've kind of taken that for granted and thought wow the match quality will be what will get people on board <laughs> here and this year it's I don't a very think... Ian Rotten way of thinking <laughs> but this year I don't think the match quality has necessarily been there I think no, the big exactly. matches have disappointed like you look at Osprey star like I live quite enjoyed the match but I'd followed the storyline from the start and found the Quilden spots utterly hilarious but I was one of a very small minority who mm. found that stuff funny. Um, I know David Starr seemed to enjoy it on the podcast you did with him, Jamesy, but the reaction that got, I don't know why anyone would have ended up watching that match, especially about late it came out, and the yeah. you know the divisive, not even divisive, the negative reaction it got. So, Jamesy, you're a man who loves a notebook and listing your matches, from what I always hear. Like, how many Rev Pro matches have you put in your notebook this year? You know, that's yeah. a good indicator. And I look through mine, Thank and there you. aren't really many. No, I, I have one, two, three. I have five matches that I would say were, were were good, and like that's barely four stars. And of them, 
like two of them are, are the, the Zach and Pack match and the Will Osprey Pack match that had the bad finishes. I have the Sabre match with James Mason, which was a particular match that oh, kind of yeah, appealed to me. Yeah. yeah, but like, again, a very niche match that not a lot of people would even know about. I have the ladder match with Star and El Fantasmo and the Michael Oko and Pack match. And that's it, five matches. Like my, my OTT and WXW lists have kind of 10 or 20 matches on them. I have five Rev Pro matches and like two of those are pretty flawed, like, you know. So that'll tell you, like, the, the one thing they could always offer in the past, despite the bad production qualities, was good matches, like you said, Joe. And they're just, that has completely dried up. Yeah, it really has. They really do need to invest in their production next year, for sure. But I, don't, I can't see it happening. Mm. They've new cameras, apparently, someone said, but not before time, you know. Yeah, the VOD yeah. Is, is improved in the last couple of shows. So that's, that's for sure. From They've got seen. Curtis Chapman's brother filming the shows now. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> He's 18. He's a Rev Pro trainee. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. That's not a great sign, is it? No, certainly not. But, Unless he's got a film degree on the side. He appears. Doogie, Doogie Howser style. He appears in the great Matt to do it. Because to frame the shots and stuff. If he wants, yeah, possibly, possibly. But he appears in the great O'Khan's Instagram quite a lot as well in badly taken photos. So um, anyway. just to, uh, just to uh, quick fire on some of the <laughs> some of the other promotions in the UK, and uh, I thought Fight Club Pro don't get hardly any coverage on this show. Uh, obviously, definitely more of a live promotion rather than being someone that you'd follow along with on VOD. They're still keeping good crowds in Wolverhampton and seem to be a destination promotion for people wanting to hang out with their mates at the wrestling. But. Uh, from the bits I've seen this year, I thought uh, Will Ospreay had two great matches against Dan Maloney and Ray Phoenix over a Dream Tag weekend in April. And uh, something more recent that um, might have slipped under a lot of people's radars was a cracking match between Tyler Bate and Mike Quackenbush uh, at the recent November show. And they've also ran Tokyo, New York and Mexico this year. So uh, seems like Club Pro have got their own formula and it's been a success for them in terms of ticket sales, Benno. Yeah, I mean, if you believe the likes of likes of Will, you know, I think Fight Club Pro, you know, they had at least they had something to kind of hang the hat on with the Schadenfreude stuff. So they've, you know, a big criticism we'd always say is that it's the night out promotion. You know, you go for a piss up or you'd pick it up to watch the odd match. And there wasn't really a, a through thread to kind of tie the shows together. And, you know, they had that big uh, Schadenfreude story that they you know, from a distance, looks like they told well, and they they had the big blow off for it. That was very satisfying for the the Fight Club Pro fans there. But it is, it's like a I, don't know, I wouldn't call Wolverhampton Narnia because it's not that nice, but it kind of is like its own little world, isn't it? Where <laughs> this wrestling happens and the six hundred people are it's Mordor compared it's to more- Narnia. <laughs> but like the 600 people there have a have a hell of a time uh and enjoy the show and then nobody you know talks about the show again and you know you can make the argument maybe that's you know that's not a bad thing you know there are lots of brit res companies that are you know live event shows and that's what they are and that's what they maybe all they need to be um but yeah i think because because i think with fight club pro i think that's all they want to be as well i don't think they want to step out the lane i think you know they're a promotion who obviously with trend seven being a being an owner you know even even he got 
kind of pulled from their shows earlier in the year, but you know, it looks like you know the likes of him, Pete and Tyler can can now start to to do their shows again, or at least they're, are there or thereabouts. And I think they get to do that because they stay below the radar and they're just not because we're a, you know we're a podcast of people who don't live in Wolverhampton, and we're two podcasts of people who don't live in Wolverhampton. You're not getting much review from us on the on the Fight Club Pro shows because being realistic we're not going to sit there and watch their vod but again maybe that's not the worst thing and and it's not to say they haven't put gems out this year that you know the you mentioned a couple of matches there man and one that kind of very at the very very start of the year you know osprey and kyle fletcher i'd forgotten about that when i was putting my my end of year you know my favorite matches that i'd seen this year and that I was a sucked yeah didn't you enjoy that one i enjoyed well, that I one i could just hear people talking no one was watching I the match, that match yeah. It was just oh, like wow. people talking, stuff happening. I could hear cans clinking, cans <laughs> opening, cans being crushed on the floor by feet. I just remember thinking, like, well, I had to waste my time watching that. I've got no commentary <laughs> telling me what's going on in the match. And I can just hear a bunch of people having a chat in the background. What's the point? Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That, that is a problem. Uh, that is a problem. I mean, I tend to, I think with Fight Club Pro, you've kind of just, you watch it on the VOD, you are getting that, yeah, for, for hook by hook or by crook, you're getting that experience of, of being there live. And yeah, you can hear the chats going on. You can hear the people drinking their drinks. Um, and you, yeah, that's kind of what it is, you know, translated to VOD. But yeah, me personally, I enjoyed that match. I enjoyed the daft high spots and, and kicky stuff they did at the end of that one. But, you know, they had other matches this year that, you know, have, have gotten plaudits. Like you say, the Quackenbush Tyler Bate match that happened very recently. I've heard rave reviews of. I'm looking forward to seeing that one myself. So you do get the odd recommended gem coming out of Fight Club Pro. But yeah, it's not really a promotion that from afar that you're going to be following from month to month. It's just, I think Fight Club Pro is just, always going to be what it is james you yeah. also checked out that uh tyler Bate v mike quackenbutch match as well oh yeah great match um one of the best uk matches of the year i would say for sure and definitely one that people shouldn't let kind of slip through the december cracks if they're making their lists and that kind of thing and just very quickly on fight Pro, I, I think it was just hearing you guys talking about them there Joe was talking about Rev Pro being kind of stuck in the past. And I feel like Fight Club Pro are almost everything that Rev Pro aren't in terms of Fight Club Pro seem to understand what a certain sector of the fan base want and give it to them. Like there's a certain sector of young fans that want to go to wrestling as a social event, to meet their friends, to have a chat. And the wrestling is almost secondary to it. And I think mm-hmm. Fight Club Pro gives that sector of the fan base what they want. And that's a sector of the fan base that wants to buy merch that wants to kind of go to the Gifford with the wrestlers after the show. And it's, it's, it's a social experience. You know what I mean? It's not for Elfal is like us, you know what I mean? And it's not the kind of thing that we're particularly yeah. interested in doing, but there is a certain sector of the fan base that want that. And the people who run Fight Club Pro have created that niche in the market for themselves. And they do good business. They sell out their venue every month. They have a certain level of buzz online for their shows every month. You know what I mean? So, you know, it mightn't be for us, but it is to be admired that, that that a promotion in the UK actually has buzz in a kind of a scene that doesn't have much buzz at the moment, you know? Yeah, your man Rob flies over for most of the shows, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's a social event, you know, so it's, you know, we, we can knock it for not being great to watch a video on demand and that kind of thing. But it gets people in the door. And as I said, like mm. Will, Will made it an interesting point during the week. Are Fight Club Pro now the number two UK promotion? Yeah, I think I think they are, to be honest with you. I think they have been for some time because yeah. their business is also steady. So you think Rev Pro, 
did six, seven hundred at their kind of premier venue, but they run five times a year on the weekend. Fight Club Pro are doing that every month or um, around yeah. every month in exactly, in yeah. a, a smaller, less attractive, less lauded venue in a city like Wolverhampton. And that's a traveling <laughs> crowd. And it's on a Friday night and people are prepared to give up their time. You know, it's not for me. Uh, it was for me at one point in time. It definitely isn't anymore. But I understand why they keep going the way they are and why they aren't trying to expand because they have that kind of comfort. They're at a comfortable level where they're probably profitable mm. and they're getting that little bit of buzz amongst that little group of fans each month. Now, what I'll say as well is how much people remember after the shows and that, you know, how much buzz <laughs> it actually gets based on memory. I think of it as a night out. Like, I had a cracking yeah. night last night. Ah, oh, what was that song we were dancing to? No fucking idea. I was fucked. <laughs> like that's the impression I get from Fight Club Pro, but it works. It does, yeah. Carry on. I think they should just not have the wrestling and just go to that big warehouse and sell merch and play the back backstreet boys and just dance around <laughs> and get pissed. And nobody will be any the wiser the next day and save the money on paying the wrestlers. French Seven stand up show. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's never done it. He needs to. He's, he was made for him to do some sort of wrestling-based stand-up, the way he can yeah, deliver it sure. as well. But I was going to say, one of the reasons they probably do hard under the radar is they're the anomaly in the sense that they're not really pushing a VOD service. And I think that's the thing that possibly ends up keeping them off the radar and allows them to do that n- numbers. And it's very hard to see why they would change that business model at the moment. Because it's if you're thinking of, like, and, you know, Will raising the point on being the number two, how much are they paying to use the hangar? How much are your call having to pay to use? Uh, sorry, how much are Red Pro having to use to pay your call? Mm. In terms of the finances being based in Wolverhampton and the way that they're set up, it makes sense for them to carry on as they are. Even as Jamie says, old fellas like us, it's it's slightly lost on us. Ah, you were fun like last the, time you were there. I was. I like the curry house nearby, <laughs> Jacks as well. That is a good curry house. It's a good curry house. <laughs> Very good, it's good solid base to put on a load, of, to chuckle a load of what Strongbow. Well, they were selling hooch there last time. <laughs> Which made the look of Tastes like hooch. piss. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you've got very fond memories of Wolverhampton, uh, contrary to what you've been saying. But, um, I mean, anyway. The curry, the curry house is well good, Martin. Like, one, some of the best curry I've had in the UK, in, ever, in the world, I'd say. Wow. Really good. Oh, wow. The uh, mixed platter, like meat, the meat and fish platter, done in like an Indian style. Oh, JP. Yeah, back me up. It's amazing. It is it? amazing. Yeah, and it becomes a regular thing as you go there beforehand, and it's like, right, I'm going to chuck a load of very bad beer on top of this. Fancy a trip to Fight Club Pro? I feel like it now. I don't know about you, lads. You are great. You drink. I've been moving away from Fight Club Pro now and uh, going way, way, way down south, especially from me and uh, Brighton based Riptide. I mean, who've had an absolutely fantastic year. They've run a grand total of 10 events, but they proved that less is more, really. I mean, we've talked on the show before about how they take wrestlers who haven't been best served in the bigger promotions, give them meaningful stories and feuds, and really paying dividends for them. Uh, for me, the show is delivered from top to bottom. There's never, you know, they're not a company where you go, oh, that's like a five-star match, but from top to bottom, they have a they have a huge variety and they really showcase wrestlers that uh, we might not see in other promotions, such as uh, Cassius. And presentation's been excellent. The cinematic style of the VOD, very much their thing now, and then some great venues, especially that open-air theatre in Brighton looked absolutely fantastic. And then... On top of that, some great matches, Pac V, Karanawa, TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo, and then uh, 
most recently Shakara and Big Swell had a had a, a cracking match and in a very unique promotion and uh, one of the best out there, I'd say, Jamesy. Yeah, and I would say kind of Riptide have been one of my kind of big discoveries of 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 of, of twenty nineteen. You know, um, I, as you said, the shows look beautiful. Uh, a promotion that feels unique and feels like they very much know who they are and what they're trying to do. Um, their storytelling is excellent. They're the only UK promotion that I will currently kind of watch the show top to bottom. I'm very much in the mode of picking matches from Progress or picking matches some Rev Pro, I'll watch Riptide shows top to bottom because I think that's the way you have to watch the promotion, you know. Um, like you said, Martin, they make the most out of talents that other people don't use well. The big one would be Spike Trevay. I, I know, like, he's he's become very much a, a laughing stock for you guys on Grapple over, over the last year. In Riptide, he's genuinely brilliant. He's a great, one of the best, maybe the best heel in the UK at the moment, the way he's used in there, the promos he cuts. Chuck Mambo, a guy who's like a, a kind of almost a career mid-carder in most promotions, the top baby face in the promotion. He suits their fan base and their aesthetic down to the ground. They use TK Cooper better than everyone else. Damon Moser, Jordan Brakes, the likes of Cassius. They just seem to know how to get the best out of people. Um, they appeal to casual viewers in that they have a really well-defined kind of face-heel divide. Um, they have had high-end matches. Like, in, in general, they wouldn't be kind of a star ratings promotion. But, like, the pac Karen war match, one of the more memorable matches from the UK this year, and the TK Cooper-Chuck Mambo match were really, really good. Um, they were dealt a big blow with losing Jack Sexsmith, who kind of th- their major kind of storyline was based around. And they kind of, they just kind of regathered themselves and kind of moved on and moved in a different direction without it kind of ruining the whole year from them. Um, I feel like they've kind of positioned themselves as the woke promotion, but not in a kind of a a disingenuous or kind of grating or self-congratulatory mm-hmm. way. You know what I mean? It, it, it feels like they're very genuine about it. You know what I mean? And they very much feel to me in 2019, they kind of are what progress was in its early days. You know what I mean? I feel like they kind of are the punk rock promotion and the kind of the the, the woke promotion. Uh, but as I said, not in a cringy way and not in a way that kind of puts me off. Um, they, they, they really unique and clever marketing, like things like that outdoor show. They kind of advertised that people could get food delivered to the show. Um, simple little things like having face painting on, so they so people could bring their kids, which is something that I would appreciate. You know, their merchandise is really unique stuff that other companies don't seem to have. You know what I mean? And it just feels like in the UK scene where a lot of people are running on autopilot. Riptide feels like it's being run with kind of love and care and attention to detail by the people that run it, and that means a lot to me in the current climate. Um, and also that they're they're not kind of getting above themselves they recognize the need to kind of stay in their lane almost and not run too many shows like they're taking a break now until next march because they kind of need that time to regroup and that kind of thing and they're not kind of overextending themselves and doing silly things with their money you know what i mean and, and again that's kind of unique in Britress where people kind of try to grab as much as they can while they can they're, they're taking a very long-term view they want to still be around in five years time rather than kind of grabbing as much money as they can in a couple of years and then burning out yeah, and they're kind of like, they're doing it the right way, they're getting all the right, and I don't think anyone on this podcast is going to say a bad thing about Riptide, because they're doing all those things the right way, and that a lot of the complaints we'll make about all the promotions in BritRes, it feels like they've got their, their ear to the ground, and they're listed in, like, is anyone ever going to complain about the Riptide production, or their VOD? You know, like, that. you can't talk about Riptide without talking about how well presented their shows are, what a joy it is to watch their shows on VOD. Like, going down to Brighton is on my bucket list of wrestling things I would like to do, you know, at least on a, on a lo- local-ish yeah. level. 
Um, I'd love to go down there, but I'm happy to sit and watch the shows on VOD. It feels like an event when they come out. They're not a promo. They don't need to release their 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 shows day of. They can release it when they release it because you know when it comes out, it's going to be the best presented Brit Rose show. You're going to see that week, and you know, I mean, that goes to like even like you know, you talked about you know matches of the year for for Brit Rose this year, and to be honest, you know if we play fast and loose with the rules a little bit. And when we get to our match of the year at the, the end of this podcast, we're going to be including European matches and OTT are going to dominate and maybe to a lesser extent, WXW are going to be in the mix. But if I open up, you know, my big spreadsheet of all my favorite matches this year to get to an English match, to get to a British match, I have to go all the way to number 29. And that kind of says you everything about Brit Res this year. But also that number 29 is a match from Riptide. It's a match from Brighton. And it's, you know, it's because of the presentation and how beautiful it is. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pack being in like the best possible setting that you could have him in. And it's Cara Noir in the best possible setting you could have him in as well. And Pac had a very, I would say similar match with Michael Oku around the time of the Cara Noir match. But the Cara Noir match for me stands above it purely from a presentation an aesthetic, just in general, you know, how they presented that match is such a, a big deal and how pretty it looked on VOD and how great it looked like, you know, it was there live. I know Joe and JP, you were there live at yeah. that one as well. And that, that, that that's what you've got to do to stand out in Britrest this year. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised that it's a Riptide who was, who was standing tall when it comes to my uh, my favourite Britrest matches this year. They they just know what they're doing. I think the lads behind it are, are smart enough to know, you know, maybe don't run too many shows. You know, you mentioned mm. Martin, they've run, what, 10 shows this year? Probably the right amount for them. And all of those 10 shows, you know, they, they, they've they've drawn well enough. And I've never seen a bad review of a Riptide show from any of those shows. And we've, you know, given them all kinds of plaudits here as well. So, yeah, if they can continue like that in, in 2020, I think, yeah, we'll be definitely talking about them in, in terms of being, you know, one of the big players. And in Brit Res, definitely considering all the, uh, the negatives we've said about the existing big players in Brit Res. Yeah, um, I would strongly advise um, for, for you three to- guys to go over if you get a chance to go to Riptide. Me and Joe have been there a couple of times. It's brilliant. And you mentioned about what they're like as a promotion. It's kind of like they are absolutely representative of Brighton, which is a city that I really love going to. And it could feel like it's kind of like a, a forced boho nightmare, but it isn't. It's a really, it's just, it's just like a kind of, there's just a really friendly vibe to it. And you go to the shows and if you want an example of what they do production-wise, compare their shows and compare when Eve ran there. Because the other thing that they did is, is with Eve, it was just people stood around the ring. There, they actually built, and these are stuff that you don't see on the VOD, they've built sort of little, like, tiered terraced standing. So you could stand on it. And when, you know... we those little touches, isn't it? Those little touches for it. They've got their craft beers as well. They've got to make sure that water's easily accessible. In terms of getting to the bathroom, and this is a church hall, but it never, does not look like a church hall at all. It's an incredible aesthetic. They invest vegan in vegan hot dogs as well. Yeah, you get inside. Yeah. Really, is, and it's like all of the things about it. Just that you go in there, and it's a really good vibe. And then the last time we went, the ring broke twice. Uh, was it the ring broke twice? I know, yeah, it it's only broke, broke once. It's only broke there to fix. Yeah. I'd taken that was it. Two breaks in there. There's this complete goodwill for that. It's like yeah, that happens, and we and we do that. They're like one of the few promotions. I remember seeing a, a tweet from um, the other day. They have a sign up. I think it was Sugar Duncan put it up where it just says, if you're hurt, 
don't carry on working. The show will go on fine without you. And that's like a really important kind of ethos to kind of introduce into the mix as well. They've always been, you know, um, for full disclosure, they've always been really nice to us. They've, they've given us tickets. We've gone there and reviewed it. And it's not just a case of blowing smoke up their ass. They've been great shows, really good. And, you know, Benno, you would like to, um, there's a point you, you raised about like sort of the land of the misfit toys. It's the mm. most perfect example of that. And I can get the idea, like when you mentioned about the VOD, it's such an easy watch because I find myself immersed in the camera work. And the good thing about that is they've created an aesthetic that other people can try and copy. You can't steal away from them. So, and they have that. So like, and that's one of the big USPs. I think, you know, the good positive points about the promotion are things that other promotions can try and replicate, but, you know, WWE can't take that away. They're like WWE's nightmare, Vince's yeah. nightmare promotion in terms of what they stand for, in terms of what, yeah. they, what they do. It's not, a, not land of the alpha males, is it, this at all? And I think <laughs> one of the other things as well, I'd say, for the two guys who run the promotion after meeting them, they're very sort of in touch with like uh, local music scenes over the years. So one of the guys is, yeah. lived in Southampton and knew some, discovered we knew some people uh, back in the day, same sort of people who were sort of involved in the local music scene. And I think that keeps them on top of things like fashion and what appeals to that type of audience. Mm. And it's that sort of audience who would maybe go and see a local gig but they're trying to get in for their shows as well. And then they're merchandising to try and appeal to the sort of dress sense of those sorts of people so little things like having like denim jackets or riptide patches on yeah little cool touches like that or like windbreakers with riptide on you know these are touches that you don't see unless you're there and you said about the craft beers jp they brand their craft beers with like wrestling labels so there's like a chris brooks craft beer a chuck mambo craft beer so it just personalizes it and gives it a cool little touch to make you feel like you're part of this little club if anything as well so yeah it's a great promotion i definitely intend to try and go back maybe sometime towards the summer in 2020 and it'd be yeah. great if you guys could join but it's brighter and it's a long slog but it's a great city yeah. great city that open air show in particular seems like one that could yeah really, that on a great weekend it, yeah. right, you could, great fun yeah, and and for people who haven't seen any of Riptide, they're definitely worth checking out on VOD just for they definitely got their own unique look and it's definitely their look and it looks absolutely fantastic on, on the VOD, so definitely go out your way to, to check it out. I mean, um, another promotion I just wanted to quickly shout out is uh, Breed, obviously, really close to me in my hometown. I think they're another promotion who... Uh, we're trying to stand out from the pack, having some unique shows, especially the Star Cave show they had in October, a fantastic venue and a really fun show. I mean, the pro shouldn't been building their own stars, the likes of Big Guns Joe and a ton of talent that I wasn't familiar with until seeing them on breed shows. And uh, they're currently taking a break, but coming back next year, maybe taking a leaf out of Riptide's book, uh, having breaks between shows, but definitely mm. a highlight of the year for me, uh, biased because it's on my own doorstep. I mean... Before we head into the uh, awards section of the show, were there any other promotions you guys wanted to talk about or highlight? I mean, I was going to bring up NXT UK, but I think we've sort of like <laughs> said, our, said our feelings on them ad nauseum. And I just want to shout out regular contributor to the show, Will Cooling. Um, I mean, I think he summed up NXT UK best when he said that on its good day, it's uninspired, pointless, and less than the sum of its parts. And I think that summed it up uh, perfectly for me. 
Yeah, definitely does. Uh, I enjoyed Cassius Soto and Tyler Bates the other week, but you know those uh, those bright spots are uh, a few and far between. Um, we've got a takeover coming up, though, Martin. You know, we get to see Joe Coffee in the main event again, so oh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking <laughs> positive terms about it at XT UK come January. But yeah, I don't think they'd be in my list of uh, of positive. Uh, things to talk about from this year of Brit Res yet they have just been NXT UK for what for what we waited for for two years and then for what they've delivered you know it's just it there isn't a more uninspiring uh, restaurant promotion on earth but as far as exciting you know more exciting things that are ha- have happened in the UK this year I definitely got to give out to Tetsujin uh, yeah. Tetsujin Hybrid Wrestling and you know they only had one show uh, this year they had one show last year and they had one show in, at the tail end of 2015 uh, but they you know, I think I know I would have the chance to talk about it in this show, but I really think like that time frame of of their existence, they came into existence tail end of 2015, and you know I was there at their fair show and got to see you know wrestlers like Chris Brooks who I'd never seen live before in 2015, and you know little known wrestlers like uh, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate on there, and it was kind of like that very start of the Brit Res boom, and they've kind of gone out with their final show this year, but they've gone out in kind of in style and, and in a way that just made everyone everybody want to see more them because they highlighted young talent in a way that you know not all the promotions have been trying to do this year you know riptide have done a decent job of it progress have done a shaky job of it but you know they highlighted you know the what is still there on the brit res scene you know and they highlighted you know wrestlers that make you know like a luke jacobs and an ethan allen who had one of the absolute matches of the year uh, for me from a, a live perspective as far as seeing matches go um just two lads who know each other very well beating the absolute shit out of each other i mean watch out for them they're going to be everywhere next year uh but i did think yeah tattoo with their one show kind of uh i don't know that their, their contribution to brit res this year i thought they they really uh, were a real bright spot uh as far as 2019 goes that if uh, any of you guys have, uh, have seen that show on vod Oh yeah, it's, it's for for me. It's it's the, the recent show that it is, is probably the UK show of the year. I know it's, it's not uh, an award we have on on our um, on our list, but like it's it's the best UK show I've seen. I thought everything on it was was at the very least good, and that Luke Jacobs Ethan Allen match like was something else. Just two young hungry guys just literally beating the piss out of each other to try and make a name for themselves. And I would say probably the, the Devil and Thatcher match, like two two guys who are obviously you know wrestlers close to my heart, um, I would say that's probably the UK match. And if you take the OTT and WXW stuff out of it, probably the UK match of the year for me. So yeah, that's always going to be right up my alley, that, that kind of wrestling, you know what I mean? And I just wonder, is there maybe room in the UK scene for something like Tetsuji? title that's maybe mm. defended across a number of promotions to, just to kind of keep the I think it was maybe on Grapple that was suggested or maybe mm. it was on Twitter somebody said it it would be a nice way to keep the kind of name of the company alive and you could see somebody like a Chris Ridgeway or a Thatcher or a Luke Jacobs kind of you know going from promotion to promotion defending that title it might be a nice little thing to kind of diversify cards on the scene you know mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I definitely would like to see for 2020. And, you know, we've we've had our tastes sort of wetted with um, Ambition and now Tetsujin. You, there is room on every card to have one much like that. It doesn't need to be particularly brutal as well. But just sort of, I think to a degree, some of the audience could do with seeing that. If you're wanting to make a card that's a kind of mixture of a number of things, one of the things that's very rarely include, included is a straight-up technical wrestling match. That's really not there. And I think there's for the for the health of the scene, you should have one 
two matches like that really on every card. Mm, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this year is also notable for the amount of British wrestling promotions either taking a break or shutting the doors. I mean, I'm not going to do any memoriam segment with sad music. <laughs> like, like Ben L suggested, but it, it's sad to see so many promotions calling it a day. I mean, Defiant being the most prominent ones going out of business there, JP, I thought. Yeah. Um, and as with a lot of these, I think it's, it, it's, it's always a lot more complicated. There's a mixture of reasons in there. In terms of Defiant, once there was the issues with what culture and the YouTube revenue, it kind yeah. of felt like it wasn't going to be there. But I remember one of the podcasts you did with Will Cooling on this and mentioned about how close they were to actually being able to possibly get to booking World of Sport. And that would have been an entirely different kind of take on the landscape. Although I fear that might be coming back in the 2020, but I'll save that for the stuff at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it feels to me like um, Defiant, we went to the sort of relaunch when they, when they had their tapings and it kind of felt like the genie was out the bottle with it really at that point. Um, and it's not to say they were doing particularly bad stuff, but it didn't fit in with what, what they were doing and the kind of, the way they'd had to kind of scale down the budget and everything else. And it's ironic that the show we were there, the big feud that was being set up was Defiant versus um, IPW, uh, <laughs> which resulted in both companies being dead within the, that, that year as well. So it was a great feud. It was a winner. It was like win at all costs, you know, Real very much well, zero sum game being played there. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, like, yeah, you mentioned them too. They're the most famous of the promotions going to funk this year and you know it, it is a story there are a lot of i mean various reasons like you said jp but there's a lot of promotions that have gone by the wayside this year mm. i've not seen anyone produce a list of you know the promotions who died in 2018 or in 2017 i'm sure there were some but it doesn't feel like there's been you know the the amount that the quite has as this year it, it's hard to kind of pass you know what it says i think you know there are you know, for all every promotion that's died, you've got, you know, like a, a future shock that's been running for God knows how long now. Is it 15 years? Uh, probably more. I think it might be 20 at this point. Uh, I think they're almost at 20. They've got to hit 20 if they're not there yet. Like, there, there are still, you know, healthy local promotions who are doing all right, you know, drawing from maybe a, a local audience of people who don't live too far away from the venue, plus the Ogdens, who seem to be at every underground show that happens in this country. So, you know, there, there are still, you know, there's still health in the scene, at least at, at that level. But, yeah, certainly the uh, the amount of promotions that have, uh, have kind of died this year does kind of just, maybe it's a, just a bit of a warning going into 2020 that maybe we could see a, a lot of the same. Um, and there could be, you know, promotions that have been around for a long time, uh, maybe also closing up shop because it does feel like, yeah, a variety of factors, Brexit not being the least of them, uh, but we talk enough about that on Grapple, uh, could uh, could definitely affect promotions going into next year. And yeah, I do have a, a sneaky feeling maybe uh, we could see another totten up of numbers in 2020. Okay, so it's uh, time for some of the Best of the Year awards, and we've got four categories for our favourite European wrestler of the year, uh, Best Wrestler, which can cl- include any wrestler from around the world, as long as they're from Europe, Best Match, with the match having to take place in Europe, Breakout Star, and then rounding it out with Promotion of the Year. So uh, 
We'll jump straight into Wrestler of the Year, and, and I'll start. And I'm really sorry, lads, but I'm getting in there first because <laughs> no one has put on as many consistently good matches, irrelevant of the opponent, than Will Ospreay, who been fantastic for years. But in 2019, he just seems to get even better. I mean, we could do a whole other show dedicated to what a great year he's had here in the UK against Ray Phoenix in Fight Club Pro, team with Paul Robinson against Aussie Open in Progress. In the US, even having cracking six months Warrior Wrestling this past weekend. Then, of course, there's the uh, main course, his stuff in New Japan, his matches against Bandido and Shingo in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament, Lance Archer and Okada in the G1 Climax. I mean, you could go on and on and on, but there are plenty of wrestlers having great years, but none as great as Will Ospreay, I didn't think. Yeah, I'm just looking at my top 10 match of the year. Four of them have got Will Ospreay in. Mm. So he's he's mine as well, Martin. I can't argue with anything you said there. I don't, I don't think there's a better wrestler in the world right now. And I think he's got better as a wrestler. I think he's got more diverse as a wrestler. And again, look how many guys he's sort of gotten over this year as well, just from being in the ring with him. He's a he's a genius, that bloke. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no argument for me on Osprey. Really, the only thing you can kind of say is, well, he hasn't made spent much time in in Britain this year, and obviously there are people who have more. But as far as yeah, an export goes, like yeah, we all we all could kind of see it in 2014 and 2015. But it's great to see it, you know, come to fruition. I don't think there's there's many who can deny Osprey, especially after this year. You know, anyone who sat through the G1 or they sat through Best of the Super Juniors, just you can't help but call Will Ospreay the best wrestler in the world. I think that maybe there's, there's some competition there from maybe an Ishii or, you know, there are, there are other contenders there as well, but you cannot have that conversation without mentioning him. Um, considering he's a Brit, like that, that's definitely, definitely something we can all be absolutely proud of because yeah, he's uh, just gone from strength to strength. And yeah, this has been the absolute year of his career. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't win wrestler of the year in the observer awards, I'd be absolutely shocked. At least the, uh, the in ring uh, portion of that award. Cause yeah, he's just been borderline unparalleled this year. I'd say. I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian and I'm going to pick somebody different. Um, and I can't do the dirty on my dear close personal friend, David Starr. <laughs> That's the other option. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, and I think he qualifies here because he's more or less European-based. And I mean, mm. the, 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 you know, a lot of his best work has taken place in Europe. And, like, it, it's very much, in my head, it comes down to Star versus Osprey. And the reason I would put Star, and, like, it's close. I, I'm not saying Star had a far better year than Will Osprey or anything like that. The reason I would put Star slightly ahead of him is the things we talked about on the podcast, the moments and some of those moments that he had in 2019, like Will Ospreay, I would say, has the longest list of four star plus matches of anybody in the world in 2019. But but what star has are memorable moments and things like the the thing we talked about on the podcast, the fist fight with Jordan Devlin on the ramp when Pat Benatar is playing. Um the kick out of the visual pin against Walter, the um the the fist fight, the, the match just that he just had with, with um with David Starr in October, where the two of them just decided to start throwing hands. Moments like that that got me out of my feet. And they're the things that I remember, say, in 10 years' time when I look back. You know what I mean? And I don't know how many of the Will Ospreay matches will I think back on in a similar vein. And I think what he might have ahead of Osprey is variety in his matches. Like like he's worked face and heel this year. He's done like he's done kind of death match kind of things with the Joey Janela match and beyond. He's done the ladder match with, with the ELP. 
Um, he's done straight grappling matches like the match with Gresham in PWG. Um, he's had the, the match with Akid and Tetsujin. So I just feel like there's this variety there that maybe isn't there in Osprey's resume. And then you throw in the promos and the character work and those videos that he produced. And I do count that kind of stuff as well when you're talking wrestler of the year. Those videos that he produced with OTT and literally the level of acting that he produces in those videos, you know. So um, just based on, on the depth and based on the variety, um, I would say David Starr slightly ahead of Will Ospreay. JP? I would, I completely get that argument. By God, it's convincing, James, and you've always had me that I was um I'm gonna stick with with Will Ospreay but for me it's thinking of the sort of overall highlights of sort of European wrestling I think to myself Will Ospreay's year which and then I think of the kind of star Walter Devlin interactions and that whole feud as well those for me are like the two big aspects of it which David Starr is obviously like he's the integral part to that feud as well. So the argument for him is, is outstanding is, is really good. I think for me, it was just that Osprey seemed to go out with one goal primarily in mind this year, which was he's going to enter into as many tournaments as he humanly could get as many people over as he could through these matches and just have some of the best matches effectively to kind of force new Japan's hand at thinking we need to push this guy at the top of the card and the fact he's moved over there as well would suggest that there's going to be that, which is something that they've helped him do, means that, for me, I think that it, it seems almost, you'd love to think in 2020, that would be the kind of his heavyweight sort of push onto the scene. And I think he's improved his promo work and his and his character work. He, 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 he's gotten better than that. He's not on Stars level. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. It's different uh, sort but of promo. It, but it's, it's very different in a different company with different kind of general ideals about how that <clears throat> how that stuff works as well. So yeah, it would really only ever could only really ever be one of those two wrestlers. I'll go for Osprey. Yeah, and also uh, with Star as well, he's got so many different storylines going on in so many different promotions, and you know, hats mm. off to him for uh, keeping track of all those and continually improving them. So yeah, certainly a good shout there from Jamesy and. Uh, I, I just want to throw in a, an honourable mention for Jordan Devlin. He, he might be lost in the abyss of NXT UK for a good chunk of the year, but still had some great showings in OTT, obviously, as part of that feud with Walter and David Starr. Had some other good matches in his own promotion against likes Callum Black and a cracker at the start of the year with Shane Strickland. And, uh, and then, obviously, against the Illyrian Progress, tagging with Scotty Davis against Tony Lorcan and Danny Birch was a, a, a decent tag match. And then... It's just a shame he's so involved in NXT UK. Obviously, not for him. Obviously, that's where he wants to be. As I'd like to see him in places like Riptide, etc. You know, but because um, he always brings a lot to every card he's on. I feel. Yeah, he really does, and he's just. I think him and even Walter get get lost in the conversation now yeah. because of how. I mean, they're on NXT UK. They're on a WWE product. They should be visible, but they feel invisible because that product just feels so irrelevant that we kind of almost forget about them. But yeah, you make that case, Martin. You know, Devlin. You know, we, the match I saw about in Tertugin, he's had great work in progress this year. The bits of NXT UK matches I've seen him have, I've, I've always enjoyed, maybe apart from that uh, Finn Balor travesty that they, uh, they put him in this year. Mm. Like, the matches are there and the work is there. And yeah, we're giving 
David Starr all applaud. It's you know it almost it feeds into the feud, doesn't it? We're giving David Starr all the credit for OTT this last year, and <laughs> you know Jordan's right there, isn't he? You know Jordan's involved in pretty much all of those matches. Yeah, maybe we've all been worked, James. Maybe that's what it is. Because uh, I do think yeah, he deserves credit. Um, but yeah, I think I think this year, like the argument for wrestling of the year, it's it's come down to either the uh, the Brit abroad or the American in Britain. And we're maybe forgetting a little bit about, you know, our own, our British and, you know, Irish wrestlers and even German wrestlers as well. Because, yeah, I think if you're going to, you know, head up that list, I think Jordan's in front. And I do do actually think Walter's uh, not far behind as well. I think Tyler Bates, another one that we forget about. I'm not saying he's been up there with those guys in terms of his output this year, but I never really get to see him wrestle now. And when I do, it does kind of feel like a real treat. Because I yeah. forget just how good he is and how polished yeah. he is and how well-rounded he is for someone who's, what is he now, like 22, 23? Like insanely good for someone of that age. And every time I watch him, I think he's one of the best in the world, without a doubt. Mm. And he's had a couple of killer matches this year, but I just forget about him. He just doesn't yeah. come into my head unless I look at my sort of match of the year list. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a couple of Tyler Bate matches there. And I'm sort of reminded of just what a talent he is, but hey, I've never watched an episode of NXT UK, so I'm guessing I'll only see him a few times a year. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed you... to be real on NXT UK, that match he had with Walter at the Cardiff Takeover. It was an absolute... That was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all Japan tribute spots are plenty, and they pulled him off. It was awesome. <laughs> you mentioned Walter there, Benno, and like, mm. um, I, I like if we're to say David Starr are one and two, I, I would have mm. Walter as my as my number three, to be honest. And like, it's a kind of a sneaky year he's had because for a long time he's been kind of shut away on NXT but like he has gotten out on the indies a little bit and like it, it the fact that he's number three on my list based on sporadic indie appearances that kind of tells me that Walter in my mind Walter's probably the best wrestler in the world still he just doesn't have as much chance to show it anymore like remember we talked earlier that Carrot weekend he had the Phoenix match the Lucky Kid match the tag match he was in on Inner Circle he yep. has the he has the Devlin match in OTT and the Star match in OTT, which are very high in my list. A sneaky match that, that nobody talks about is the match he had with Eddie Kingston in progress. That was a really, really good match that kind of flew under everybody's radar. The um, the pack match in OTT, the match he had in Japan with Sekimoto against Hino and Okabayashi. There was a Vite Muller match in WXW. Like the work is there, as I said. I think the NXT you guys nearly get forgotten in these lists because they're shut away so much, you know what I mean? But like, these are still really great wrestlers and when, when they get the chance to kind of express themselves properly, they can still deliver the goods for sure. JP, any honourable mentions before we move on to a match of the year? Um, the honourable one, although it's it's probably going more into the kind of breakout star as as, as well in terms of, I, th- I think, and it says a lot about the depth of the UK scene because... I was going to say Michael Oku, but um, I, that for me would be much more into the breakout style. Yeah. When, you sp- when you think about the breast Maybe next wrestler. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it says a lot about sort of how I view a lot of people's years in terms of being in stasis. But yeah, it's hard. And you love not- the young boys. Oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> the, uh, for anyone from Post who's not familiar with grapple, that sounds bloody awful. Uh, I don't <laughs> There we go. Every it's a wholesome week. affection. Every every week this happens on this. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's hard to get away. I'd, Will Ospreay, Star, Devlin, Walter. 
they're the fool. Yeah, they are really, aren't they? And um, it's okay. Moving on to match of the year, and um, this one, <laughs> I'd say, has to have taken place in Europe. Otherwise, it's just going to be a list full of new Japan matches. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, purely live bias for me on this one, but I've got to say, uh, Walter V. Jordan Devlin. It was my first live OTT show on St. Patrick's Day weekend. National Stadium, absolutely cracking venue. Had a really good seat just to the side of the stage. The match was everything I wanted it to be. Great atmosphere and seeing the place explode when Devlin won the back, won the belt back from Walter rather was fantastic. So while the star match might have been better watching on VOD, I've got to give this one just for being there live in the building. Yeah, it's it's one of the, it's a race to the top I think between the big three OTT matches from this year, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, I've, we're going to be doing a top 10 matches of the year overall uh, for wrestling in general on Grapple in January. And, you know, as far as Britain or, or Europe matches that are going to sneak into my 10, it's a question of really which two out of the three OTT matches or maybe all three between Devil and Walter, Devil and Star and Star Walter. So, yeah, I think it's going to come down to just personal taste, isn't it? Because I've got all of them sitting at four and a half stars. I'm a I'm a hard, I'm a hard Rater. I don't very often go to 4.75 or or even, the, dare I say, five stars. But they're the three, really. And I think you could go with any. I think I'm, I'm for me, I'm with Devil and Walter. I think that's kind of, it just felt momentous. Uh, it, was a, it was a rematch that I felt was maybe not quite as good as the original, but was right up there. It had the most memorable spot of the year, you know, with the, uh, with the belt spot. And it was just... I think for me, just the most of the three, the most memorable, but you know, it's not exactly, it's, it's not an easy pick between any of them. You know, for me, it just had the, the bigger moments. It had, you know, the big visual pin moments. It had the belt stamp moment. It had Devlin, you know, essentially becoming a heel by sticking his nose in his business. And it felt like for me, the, one of the bigger moments of that feud. But yeah, if anybody on the show, and I'm guessing somebody might want to go with either of the, the other two, I'm uh, I'm not going to argue too strongly. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm in complete agreement. I would go with one of the other ones. I would say um, <laughs> Dev, De, the Devlin star match um, from the fifth anniversary, um, just everything about it. But if you're saying to people, if you watch those three matches, what's the packages that are on beforehand? It just makes me want to go back and actually do that again myself because that's you would need to view this as a trilogy and almost to get the idea of the of the full completeness of the story. Sorry to throw it back to Star Wars, but if you're going back to one of the sort of original trilogies of that or possibly the greatest trilogy of all time in terms of the Toy Story films as well, I think, you know, view all of these three together. Mm. I prefer the Midnight trilogy. That's my favourite trilogy. But I, it, I'm going to disagree. So I'm really torn. Uh, so de- it's between Devlin Star, but also Akada Suzuki from Royal Quest. Yes. Mm. And I know it's not too... Yeah, as a live bias perspective. Yeah, I know there's no European wrestler involved. But being there live, and I was at the MSG show earlier this year as well, and I had to watch Jay White in a fucking main event at MSG. It was great to see a title change, I'll say that. But this felt like the real deal. This felt like a proper IWGP title match, and I got exactly what I wanted from it. The stakes felt like nothing else I'd ever experienced at a wrestling show. Uh, the presentation with the video package beforehand, showing the, the list of the, the former champions in New Japan. The arena was great. The sight lines were amazing. And Suzuki put on one of the performances of his career in this match. Mm. At 51 years old, 
the, the performance he pulled out in this match was a different level. Some of the strike combinations, some of the teases for Suzuki winning, the way they worked around the gotch pile driver at points. Akada was a, a great face and peril in this as well. It was the best of the Akada Suzuki matches. And it was in London in front of our very eyes. And it's a moment that I will always remember. Mm. And I think from a live bias point of view, it's just tipped Devlin star for me. Just. Yeah. Like, and if, if you discount those three big OTT matches, that was the next one on my list. Like that was a phenomenal match. The the thing I always remember about that match is uh, no pinfall attempts till the very end. They didn't have to do any near falls or the usual, the big kind of sequence that you'll often get in a New Japan match. And like, I would say that is up there with any New Japan match of the year, to be honest. And I wasn't there live, you know what I mean? I'm just sitting there watching at home on VOD, you know. But but my my number one is Devlin Starr. I mean, and I suppose if, if you've listened to me talk about that match on this podcast and talk to David Starr himself about it, you'll understand why. Like, to me, one of one of the greatest live experiences I've ever had as a wrestling fan. Like, I, I put it up there with seeing Danielson and McGuinness wrestle in, in, in Liverpool back in the mid-2000s like that. That's how highly I rate this match. So, like, I can't not make this match. This, to me, is is my match of the year and will probably rank quite highly on my match of the decade list to be honest like just a visceral emotional experience to be in that crowd was something I never ever forget as long as I live even watching that Suzuki Okada match on VOD like obviously they were streaming it live weren't they on fight and the atmosphere and just when they were trading forearms it was just unreal I can't even imagine Mm. what it was like Mm. being there in the building but yeah I wish I'd headed down there for that one and uh any honourable mentions that anyone wants to th- throw in there outside of the uh, OTT? Well, I was going to say Devlin Star won, but uh, so is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the two pack matches that came up uh, earlier in the discussion, Pat Karanawar and Pat Michael Oku, again, only thing really separating them was the presentation for me. Love mm. both of those matches. Didn't love it at the time, but it, it, I, I suppose what the thing was, people were going five stars on it and I just didn't see it. Walter and Tyler Bates, I went 4.25 on it. Still makes it into my, you know, my top 10 for matches on the, on this soil, even if maybe I wasn't as uh, encouraged by it as everyone else. And, and generally, yeah, I've got a, a lot of my own mentions. A lot of a lot of Walter from WXW weekenders. Mm-hmm. Um, also, his match with Ilya from Progress. But yeah, his match with uh, Phoenix. His his match oh, with Lucky Kills from Carrot. Yeah. Again, bit of live bias there, but as far as big memorable moments from the year, there's that for me. I think there, yeah. Again, Walter is a little bit underrated considering mm-hmm. how many times he's uh, appeared in my favorite ten matches of the year. Yeah, yeah that, I was gonna. I was actually gonna say those ones myself, Benno. Those. Uh, Carrot weekend matches are two matches that instantly stick in my memory. Yeah. If I was doing a list of live matches this year, they'd be right up there. Yeah, yeah completely agree with that. I was going to say Walter Phoenix. That was that was incredible stuff, and obviously with the mask spot as well. And how yeah, that best Phoenix too. singles match I've ever seen. I think. Yeah. Exactly. The Osprey want to be just behind it. I think there was more emotion in the world. Oh, yeah. The, but this, the, this one was a, had more emotion. As a display of athleticism, I would agree. Yeah. But, yeah, as a well-rounded story. And also Phoenix mm. showing that he can do something else other than just athletic spots. I think he's a great wrestler. Mm. Yeah, it showed he could do story-based wrestling as well. Yeah. I, I wish Phoenix would do that more. Work as, as as an underdog and a and a baby face in 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 this. Like I'm impressed with his athletic stuff, but I'm only so impressed by it. Whereas I see a lot of Rey Mysterio and him like as an underdog, kind of undersized baby face working from underneath. And like this match is the perfect 
example of it, like him being powerbombed out of his mask and then being handed a mask by somebody in the crowd. You talk oh. about moments in the year. That to me is one of the greatest moments of the year again. Like, you know what I mean? And that's that that match totally holds up on VOD. I watched it back like and it's still excellent. Um, and then just other very quickly, um, I have to stay on brand and some Timothy Thatcher matches, the Ishikawa match from Ambition at Carrot Weekend and the Bobby Guns match on night two of Tag Festival, I think were excellent. And then the, the Devlin Thatcher match from Tetsujin that we talked about as well. Like, as I said, probably aside from the New Japan match, probably the best match to take place on UK soil, I'd say, this year. And uh, Moving on to a breakout star, and uh, JP's already mentioned him, but uh, Michael Oku, it's got to be, really. I mean, sure, he's not the finished article yet, and, you know, the jury's going to be out whether it's too much too soon for him, but he's only been wrestling for a couple of years. He's been put in a lot of sink or swim situations this year, and he's shown he deserves to be there time and again. He's Cracking match against Pack at the cockpit for Reb Pro, headlining the ballroom against Star for Progress, winning the British Shake Up, and then beating Pack at the end of the year. I mean, I think for me, he's a perfect example of uh, hard work paying off somebody. I mean, last year he was going to every promotion in the country, helping out with whatever needed doing, setting up the ring, merch table, whatever. And glad to see it's paying off for him. He's obviously got tons of charisma and. Uh, a solid wrestler. Hopefully, it's not too much too soon for him as uh, as we see some small improvements going into 2020. Yeah, I would agree with that, mine. And I think a couple of other matches to remember as well. The match of El Fantasmo, he had at your call, mm. was a really, really good match on that um, Osprey Star show. Um, I've not had that a lot of tour, but on the night, that was an excellent match, sort of four-star level match. And Oku got so over in that match. That was his first York Hall singles match. And he was that was probably, a, like you say, a single swim situation, and he got over in it. And El Fantasma was awesome, and that really helped him through the match at points. But lots of big spots to get him over as a baby face and that, and they all worked. Uh, also, to go to Oku, I think next year he needs to bulk up a little bit. I think that's one little thing. I think he's a bit light at times, and I think if he bulks up a little bit, maybe as a word with pack, um, I think he'll go from strength to strength possibly because he'll wear sort of his body a little bit more, and I think he'll be even more confident. Well, he needs to get on the belt to Yestin Reese. I mean, um, I think that's who's been helping Osprey out, and he's certainly done a cracking job with him. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think Oku's a. Uh... Oku's probably the shout. Uh, I did have some consideration of Car Noir. Yeah. That's mainly Riptide and Progress, though, isn't it? Um, it's an interesting one with him as well, because it depends what you mean by by breakout. You know, obviously, you know, he's been, was he, well, his name's Tom Dawkins, isn't it? He was wrestling for a, a long time before he took on this Car Noir gimmick. I think he goes back to like 2009, 2010. Um, but he has broken out, you know, in this last year with this interesting gimmick that kind of, yeah, has, has made him stand out from the crowd. But yeah, I think it's between him and him and Oku for me because I just don't. I think you know there are some promising um, other talents you know across the country, but as far as starting to get chances in the the, you know, the top two promotions, if that is still progress and Rev Pro, I do think it's probably them with maybe a shout out to Scotty Davis. But it feels like mm. he's been breaking out for the for the last couple of years. Never mind, just mm. in uh, in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Oku is the kind of no-brainer one, really. I I, I tied with the idea of Scotty as well, um, because I suppose it was his UK breakout year. I suppose you know, sure, like he sure. became the became the tag champion in progress. I believe he's on a Rev Pro show earlier in the year next year as well. He he wins in WXW and Ambition as well, and just as a, as a guy that I find every single time he wrestles, he does something new. 
Mm. And the thing about the thing about Scotty is, what isn't he good at? Like he's a world class amateur, like literally a world class amateur wrestler. He can fly, he can strike. You know, he, th- th- there's nothing the kid can't do. You know what I mean? And it's 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 like he literally breaks out this stuff you've never seen before. Like he's he threw a suplex in a match there a couple of shows ago. Like and I'm like I've never seen anybody throw that particular type of suplex at 19 years of age. You know, so and like if he's going to be going to Japan, like imagine how good he would get if he had a six month stint in a dojo somewhere just working matches every weekend. Like I mean, the, the sky is the limit. You know. JT? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I said Oka at the start. Really, that would be it. Like Benno mentioned, Caronoir. Um, and a lot of that kind of felt from being there as well. Um, but for like seeing the reaction of our friend, who was like his first kind of like independent show, who was with us when, when he, um, you know, that match and about how much he, how good he thought Caronoir was. Yeah, it'd be those two. Um, with obviously, you'd imagine in, by the end of 2020, we hope we're saying um, Luke Jacobs, Ethan Allen, yeah, really. Absolutely. But that's a year two, year two years too soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a lot of promise there, isn't there? And it'll certainly be interesting to track how they do next year. And um, mm. and on to the final one, we've got a promotion of the year, and um, they haven't put on as many shows as the bigger promotions, and they're all the way down in Brighton. But as far as consistency, presentation, and compelling stories, um, just because I know James is going to say OTT, I'll say side. Uh, I mean, a lot of the main roster of people who seemingly floundered elsewhere only to be given a new lease of life in Riptide. I mean, we talked about some of the best bits earlier in the show, but I can't recommend this promotion enough from top to bottom, good quality shows. Plus, Dave Benson Phillips thrown in comedy spots for uh, extra points. Uh, Yeah, so I'd say Riptide. I'd have to go OTT. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just and, and James, you will be would be able to would have seen, was seen it um, sort of first hand. But I would say, yeah, it went from said it at the start of the show, feeling like it's one of the biggest indies in the world, if not mm-hmm. kind of the biggest, depending on you know. I can't think of anything else, even in Japan, that's kind of you know, that would be able to compare as as like a kind of independent promotion. It's probably a very weird statement to make. O- <laughs> yeah, OTT. It's inc- <laughs> it's great. Like yeah. some tier tier of shows, development of channel, chat talent. It's late. Can't talk anymore. Um, <laughs> the way that, you know, the top end matches, the storytelling, yeah. the, the overall fan engagement and interaction with the product. It's, yeah, it's booming at a, in a time of, of wrestling austerity. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, OTT for me as well. Everything that, that, that you guys said, and all in spite of a huge venue crisis in Dublin as well, not to forget that. And also the fact that they've negotiated the kind of murky waters of, of NXTU. Like they've managed to keep that star Walter Devlin thing on track despite the fact that two of the guys involved are NXT UK talents and the third guy involved is somebody that NXT UK isn't particularly fond of and they still managed to make it work. You know what I mean? So they had obstacles in their course and they thrived nonetheless. So yeah, I, to me, it's a no-brainer OTT. And PCW for me. <laughs> well, I'm in there too. Uh, we did yeah. forget in our match of the years, if you haven't seen it, Stephen Flutter versus Shaquille <laughs> Sham for control of, uh, of PCW. Yeah, go, go out of your way, Jamesy. You'll get. You'll think I'm not going to watch this Timothy Thatcher nonsense anymore. This is the wrestling for me. <laughs> Proper yeah. wrestling, Billy Gunn. Exactly. 
had Billy Gundo running in his match? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah, with OTT, OTT, I was going to say, nobody tells stories at the top level like OTT, and that's the reason why they're the promotion of the year. But tell you what, Stephen Flood are giving them a run for the money with their for Shake Elsham there. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, Joe Cabray should be watching his, uh, his tapes coming out of Preston. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, running wild in him, uh, Preston, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the uh, main portion of the show, and uh, now to add over to Benno for something a bit different. Yeah, uh, as we do each year, uh, it's become tradition now. We uh, take a look at you know some of the worst of the year, and we uh, take a look at maybe some predictions for coming up. But yeah, before we get to our predictions for for twenty twenty. Let's get into it, lads. It's always the most fun part of the show. The uh, I like to call it the, the Get In The Bin Awards. Uh, for the uninitiated, it's the it's the worst uh, of 2019 in European wrestling. It can be a match, it can be a promotion, it can be an angle, it can be a trend, it can be a wrestler. You know, Room 101 style, what's the worst in Brit Res and Europe from 2019? Lads, what can get in the bin this year? I hope you brought along a biffa bin, Benno. Oh, plenty, <laughs> plenty of black sacks as my choice is, is going to take up quite a bit of room, but I'd like to put the character and the concept of Jimmy Havoc directly in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, has there been someone in recent memory who's been more exposed as a complete charlatan than him on AEW? I mean, some of the most cringeworthy stuff you'll see on TV all year. The King of the Goths and... Don't mess with me because I'm crazy. Come, just comes across as so phony and awful. I mean, mm. I'm a huge metal fan, and back when I remember, I used to go into clubs and bars when I was 16, and there was some guy who called himself Draco. Name was probably Toby or something like that. <laughs> 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 Wore a trench coat and said he was part of the trench coat mafia, and you say, you know, bizarre things to some of the girls he sang out with. You know, just trying to be shocking, and everyone just rolled their eyes at him. So, uh, really reminds me of Jimmy Abbott, really. So, yeah, Jimmy Abbott. <laughs> Look, mate, you may have put him in the bin, but let's be honest with. Let's be honest here. If he carries on the way he's going, he's going to be in the ground soon, rather than the bin. <laughs> I know it's an awful, an awful comment, but I do worry about that bloke sometimes. <laughs> oh, he's just, he's so crap. Like, like if there's any, like, Americans or Canadians listening to this who, like, you know, he turns up in AEW and they promote him. And it's like, oh, it's like this, this, this great British independent star. And he's got this rep from the Osprey matches that he had how long ago now? And then you just... like four or five years ago yeah. oh. at this point. And then that turns up on your TV screen like yeah he couldn't he couldn't be more low rent and yeah the the gimmick is just I think it's ran its course with all of us who've uh, had to put up with Jimmy Havoc and his matches and his banter and his, and his pints that he likes to have in his matches as you'll always say Joe yeah I definitely definitely can care with that one I think uh, yeah Jimmy can get in the bin and stay in the bin and live in the bin for all I care I'll be the best for him that be honest <laughs> and he got beaten uh, up by a nerd in a mask there you go, yeah. Which which may or not may not have been Phil Mitchell, but we uh, have <laughs> well, we we Excalibur, but we do see him knocking around sort of Eastbourne, then we'll know <laughs> exactly. That's a nice right. panos. Someone, someone I'd like to put in the bin are NXT UK wrestlers on Twitter. Oh, oh my god, a bunch of fucking marks <laughs> for the mark deals and all right you may be better off but just stop talking shit because you're making yeah. yourselves look worse week after week 
and tweet after tweet by just coming across as so, I don't know, company focused. I'm thinking you're going to get some push or you're going to get an NXT UK tag title belt on the back of losing a load of fan support with your core fan base who was supporting you for years as a result of saying something that impresses William Regal or someone. And I'm going to tie into that. Pete Dunn and that crew of absolute <laughs> morons who try to act like David Starr is a bad influence on wrestling. Like these guys have shown themselves to be anti-union and therefore anti-worker, which shows they're pro-company. And no wonder they're being exploited by that absolute bunch of, I don't know if I can swear on this, Martin, so I won't, but you know what the next word will be, <laughs> in Stamford. Awful. Awful, awful. And I've lost so much respect for so many of them as a result of this. And carry on, David Starr. What a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's actually a perfect lead-in from Joe's as well, because I I actually made a list of the worst tweets. you made a list, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm checking it twice. (laughs) And some of these, I'll read out, some of these are the worst tweets made by wrestlers in Europe in 2019. (laughs) So here's one for you. Seeking to professionalize indie wrestling. Correct. Stamping on a belt, one of my best friends spent 600 days building. Oh, Wrong. Dan are. Maloney, the 25th of June, 2019, who worked himself into a shoot based on a storyline in OTT, where he's never wrestled, defending the honor of WWE, a company that gave him a shot but never called him back. Um, here's yeah. another beauty. This one is for you, Joe. You can't say people who voted Tory are idiots or heartless. Flash Morgan Webster on the 13th of December, 2019. Oh. Jesus Christ. Look at not so shy Fuck me. How have we not heard about this before? Yeah, this, there was this this a great day. concept yeah. for grapple this week. Yeah, that was the day day after the election. Okay, here's the actually you love this as well, Joe. He's a fucking teacher. I interviewed him. He's in the same profession as me and JP. Or was, he's now got his mark contract. If he works in FE, which he did, and he votes Tory, then he gets all he fucking deserves from his mark contract and exploitation. That's what I say. Here's another one for you, Joe. Gained six new bookings today, three new debuts. Thanks for the buzz, boys, girls, and unicorns. Hashtag bad bro versus Brit Ress. Josh Bodum on the 7th of September. (laughs) (laughs) Two days later, he got fired, and now he spends his time on Instagram pretending to be a boxer. And I'm pretty sure he never never took those six new bookings either. What else have I got? Oh, from our old friends in progress. This is only from during the week. At Brit Rest Away Day. Looks like you missed this helpful public information video yesterday. Progress Wrestling going out of their way to publicly embarrass a respected fan for daring to publicize their shows that no one even cared about in the first place. And then uh, just after Ali Pali, John Briley on the 16th of September, Brit Rest is dead or something. Puts up a big photograph of Ali Pali, which drew roughly half the amount of Drew in the same venue a year of the year. I'll <laughs> tell him, John. Exactly. And then finally, as you mentioned, Joe, every step myself and other members of the NXT UK roster have taken within WWE has been nothing but a benefit to the independent wrestling scene. Don't disregard that because of hearsay and rumors. And then without the hard work of myself and countless other wrestlers with the goal of signing to a major company, there wouldn't even be a thriving UK scene to begin with. Support independent wrestling and independent wrestlers as they take the next step in their career. Pete Dunn. And that, anyone that, who like- that final one, that he must regret doing that because he, he, that's been brought back to slap him in the face <laughs> every, all year, hasn't it? Every time a company dies or a NXT UK talent is pulled from an indie, people will, will continue to retweet that. And 
anyone who made a tweet like that or liked any of those tweets or retweeted a tweet can get firmly in the bin. <laughs> Pink Pink guys, the prime in. example of someone who's, you know, he's made his money now, uh, yeah. so he's fucked off. And as JP, JP, Stuart Lee's sketch. Go yeah, on. Stuart Lee's sketch where he's talking about, oh, you know, I'm now a successful comedian, so now I vote Tory because uh, the money's mine. And that's what it comes down <laughs> to. The money's mine. So it's like, yeah, this isn't good for the fans, but the money's mine. That's that's <laughs> what it is. Shocking, isn't it? Never saw a man to ruin his reputation so much in the last 12 months. Like literally has gone from a guy who everybody loved and respected to a laughing stock. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd yeah. like to say, and this is probably a, a bigger thing than like NXT on, UK JP. can get in the bin. I was going to say, just... that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. The thing is though, JP, if we put that in the bin. Great minds, we are getting married, Benno. So, yeah, well, know, there is that. <laughs> Wavelength yeah, that, hey, I want that, that Irish sweet Irish passport. I'll do anything for that Irish passport to get out. There you will. I do legitimately mean anything. Oh, um, <laughs> but I was going to say, yeah, I think if we throw NXT UK in the bin, though, like we're going to lose all these tweets, all the, you know, the. The, the, the mark, like another one, like the mark wrestlers who are all made up because they get to do a job on NXT UK TV. Oh, Michael May. Oh, my well, God. They're not in yeah. the bin, but they're basically the bin men, aren't they? These NXT yeah. UK wrestlers. <laughs> because they're doing a job. They're doing a job for a fucking garbage company. And, you know, I'd like to compare WWE to a waste sanitation company because they, <laughs> you know, often do quite, you know, like pollute the air and all the rest of it with the way they're getting rid of their waste. So WWE pollute the wrestling scene. So yeah. Pollute Pete, the world, donating to the Republican Party. Yeah. Pete, Saudi Arabia. Pete Dunne is a fucking bin man. That's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And we've got anything else to, the, like, to put in the bin for this year? Anything else you want to get rid of? I can't top James's uh, Twitter thing. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> i got one more. Good, I knew you were. Ex-progress trainees who now trawl the indie scene looking for work. And Jamesy mentioned Spike Trevay earlier and how good he is in Riptide. But who have believed that Progress are going to give them this big opportunity and they're going to like really thrive in that environment. And Progress have given them nothing because they're basically a shite company who care about everything else going on in their other job and aren't giving proper opportunities to young talent. But these young talents are not taking control of their own destiny, believing in themselves, and looking at someone like a David Starr and seeing what he has done. There are so many of these talents that I think have fallen by the wayside and haven't reached the position that we thought that they would. And they need to stop believing in the likes of fucking progress and believe in themselves a little bit, because that's what's going to get them somewhere at this point in time, not those progress bastards. (laughs) <laughs> so they can get in the bin if they're not going to change. <laughs> uh, I think next year, like you say, Martin, we're going to need a bigger bin. Um, <laughs> if things continue the skip. way they are. Yeah, a skip. Get in the skip. That'll be the... Get uh, in the skip. The next <laughs> yeah. <year. laughs> uh, well, yeah, they're, they're the things we hated this year, but yeah, the the other uh, segment we like to do yearly is uh, just a bit of a predictions uh, game for next year. Obviously, if anyone listens to uh, the post wrestling uh, best and worst of shows, you'll have heard uh, Pollock and the lads going through their likely unlikely. Just to give you a bit of an example, last year we uh, we played this game with Ollie Court uh, before you joined us, James. We had uh, we had some corkers in there. One of them was uh, Joe stops watching progress altogether and starts watching <laughs> Eve. Uh, we all went unlikely. 
half but of that happened. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen to the show last year, Joe. You did say you did you couldn't see it happening. You stopped and watching progress, but yeah, we're halfway there this year. We talked about um AW being a presence in the UK. Uh, I think Martin, you went with the, the they tour here, but they wouldn't get a TV deal. They showed you with their Sunday night ITV four one yep. in the morning slot. Cody's <laughs> guaranteed that they've got some dates planned for next year though. Yeah, that's a, that's another one. That's one for covered up. I'll I'll have a question on that. One good one we all got. Uh, I thought it was uh, Trent Tyler and Pete working in Fight Club Pro by June. I think we just about made it um, on that regard. Yeah. Uh, but they they came back in in any event, and I think we all could see through that last year when we had the uh, the big heartfelt uh, oh, yeah, goodbye. I totally forgot it. There's been so many heartfelt goodbyes in Brit Rest. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, that was one. And one we, we did well on, we had uh, Ilya, I grouped them together, Ilya, David Starr and Chris Brooks will have signed contracts by the end of 2019. We all said unlikely, and we all said likely Ilya though, and we got that one right, you know. Brooks is off in Japan doing work, but I don't believe you can say he's he signed to a contract and mm. uh, David Starr remains independent. So I think we had a, a pretty good hit rate last year. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, yeah, not bad. There we go. But the big question is, is this year? And yeah, we've got a couple of returning ones from last year for Lightly or Unlikely. So I'll start at the top. I always throw this one in. ITV World of Sports Season 3, it would be at this point. Is it 3? No, it's 2. And then an S. Yeah, I suppose with the accountant as 3 or 2. I suppose it's Season 2. Uh, we talked about this last year, and we all went unlikely except for uh, JP that went lightly. They have had some uh, activity recently on their Twitter wow. account. He's in something. JP, you might be a bit late, but is it coming true? ITV World of Sports Season 2, 2020, likely or unlikely? I don't want it to. Can I make that point perfectly <laughs> clear? I really don't. Although, I would say the only place it kind of has is just as a replacement brand for NGW. So you're running the family shows. I kind of see no mm-hmm. harm in that as much as anything. Do I think it's, I, I just, it was a failure. It was a critical failure. It was a commercial failure. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I've seen that glitchy gimmick. I, I think this is more in, in hope than anything else. No, don't come back. Don't come back. The world has moved on from that. Yeah, I think another tour yeah, or like nice. a TV deal in Cambodia or something like that. That's kind of it. Usually is as if they build it up. We've got this big announcement, and yeah, they're just going to put the existing episodes on telly in some faraway country. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going unlikely. Is anyone going to hang on the hat on lightly for that one? No, no, no. no. Wishful thinking, maybe, but yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. Um, another return from last year, uh, and it's got to be every year until it happens. Marty Scale works for a UK promotion. We all went unlikely last year. JP, you're the one man who went likely again. You're Ooh. the you're the outlier in there in these things. I think is this that, year is though, that another word for wrong? <laughs> well, you know, 2020. I think that's another one that's for me. That's a likely. I think with his little uh, gap in contract right now, popping up in NWA. I think I'm going lightly for it. How about you guys? I think, yeah, I think, I think his a little... return to Red Pro would be huge for them rather than him. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've thought for ages that he must do, he must come out to Red Pro for a match at some point. Quilden's one of his best friends. It makes all the sense in the world. I thought that he was going to be David Starr's opponent in the Osprey match. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that made more sense from a narrative perspective. 
Yeah, I think we will see him back for maybe one or two matches this year, especially if he's freelancing for a little bit before he signs his big contract, wherever that is. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, maybe it's wishful thinking again, because I'd love to see York all popping for a big Marty return. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that yeah. it'd be massive. It'd be one of the few things, wouldn't it? That could that could you know give us a, a big sold out big York Hall show this year. And he's one of the only guys that's gone away and not turned himself into a twat because he's not signed an NXT UK contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think I think he's OTT coming back. Well. I could see him doing OTT as well. Yeah, I have a feeling he's he's going to. I think even that, that show in March, if he doesn't yeah. sign a contract, I have a funny feeling he might show up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is one that might hurt a little bit. Uh, David Starr is still an independent wrestler at the end of 2020, likely or unlikely. To Jamesy, I think likely. I think he will. I'm going to say likely as well. I think he's really invested with the unionising. I think he sees. I think he sees his role within wrestling and the potential of what his role could be could be so much bigger than really what any of us ever see. He kind of goes beyond being. He goes beyond being a wrestler in so many ways. I think he's much more invested in that. We've all spoke to him at various points. He's not bullshitting when he's talking about his, uh, he, like in terms of his strong political views and what he wants to do, and you can clearly see that's where a lot of the passion lies. And I think that would be the thing for it. I think he wouldn't be averse to doing short term a couple of dates with some prominent companies, but I don't yeah. think it's it'll be some kind of exclusive contract. So for me, I wonder whether, and this is really speculating. AEW would want to get some good press and some good pub at some point by maybe going in on some of what Star is proposing and giving their workers those rights, possibly, mm-hmm. and maybe working with Star, which may lead to him signing me in the face of that, possibly. I don't know. That's real, real speculation on my part. But I wouldn't mm. mind seeing something like that at some point, but unlikely. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if he does, if he does sign somewhere, it is going to be with AEW under the pretext that they, you know go along with the independent movement that he's set up and everything. But also, because the fact that he's moved over to the UK, that wouldn't make sense for him in terms of that, but I suppose he could easily move back to the US. But, um, yeah, I'd say unlikely, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn up in AEW. Fair enough. Uh, likely or unlikely, uh, former speaker John Burko appears on a Brit Red show. Please. <laughs> Please. Order. Likely, for sure. <laughs> Please, I'd love a chat with Burko. I'd be at his merch table. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? My ego, yeah, would be through the roof after a chat with Burko. Burko versus Dave Benson Phillips. I feel like Rip Tide needs to book <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, Rip Tide. Oh, <laughs> do it. Uh, I'd be intrigued to see him turn up a Fight Club Pro. That would be a weird dynamic, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Do the order, order stuff in front of 600 pissed up people. Yeah, he'd love it. I think he'd love it. He would have been made, made a great raw guest host when they were doing that gimmick back in the day, I reckon. <laughs> anyway. Uh, back to more serious matters. Uh, WWE do a pay per view in the UK. And I would expect, I think maybe put the, the caveat on this, and I think the only reason it would happen, to block AEW, who also announced a pay-per-view in the UK this year. How likely or unlikely do you think that one is? Well, considering they've got an entire promotion based around blocking other companies 
basically making money and running in this country. And they've, in effect, put lots of companies out of business this year because they've got their own placeholder wrestling company that has no buzz, isn't interesting, and you guys have been forced to watch for weeks as a result of doing a British wrestling podcast. Yeah, they'll do fucking anything because they're the most cynical, evil company that has ever existed in wrestling. And, yeah, some up, some proper bastards of own wrestling companies at points. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they'll do it. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say they definitely point, do a proper NXT takeover to counteract uh, any big AEW show over here. Now, Martin, they've, they'll have had all those venues booked for months. They'll have all had that booked for months. As cynical of you all to think otherwise. Yeah, they're doing that. Absolutely doing that. I would okay. like to see AEW, if, you are, if they are going to run an arena, mm. and I think you know me and Joe were there as well, run that copper box. That's a yes. hell of an arena to run. Yeah, I think we'd all be there as well. I think AEW would it'd sell out immediately if they come over here. Uh, oh, yeah. That one's got to be a likely as well, if it's a, a second part of the question. Um, but here's one. Uh, this year, an NXT UK wrestler publicly requests their release. So think of the uh, the disgruntled WWE wrestlers we've seen over the, over the year uh, – Put, put their feelings out on, on Twitter and try and get out of their contracts to go to AEW. Will an NXT UK wrestler at some point put their money where their mouth is and request to leave? No, they're marks. They're too much marks. They, they're, they're, not, they're not the same level as some of the people in America doing it. Flash Morgan Webster isn't going to grow a set of balls and suddenly say, <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> I can't see it. No, they, they, they love the fact that they have a contract. Too many idiots in that promotion who work, turn up to work and think that it's Sky One on a Saturday morning. It's SmackDown, basically. They're fooling themselves. I they've got no integrity. None of them there. It's the marks that have signed at the end of the day. So, hey. Yeah, I'm going to agree with all of you. Can't see it happening. It is a slightly depressing one. Rev Pro goes out of business, likely or unlikely, 2020. And the Q wraps it up. Not out of business, but I think they might change and become something like a, a, a new Japan UK or something like that. Because mm. I don't know how they can keep going as a kind of a quasi-independent as it is. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they closed their doors in terms of being a kind of a, a semi-indie. But they gave kind of Andy Q a role as their UK kind of ambassador or something like that. So there'll be some kind of Rev Pro, but I think it could be a very different Rev Pro this time next year. Mm. I agree with that. It's been my one big fear on the back of my mind for 2020 is it be the year it goes. And it's partly how the kind of expansion of them around the company, around the country has gone as well. And the fact that's not really been the case. I could definitely, I could see that the, the new Japan element as well, really what they're doing within the US, that appears to be within their business model as well. Yeah, it could be a very different Rev Pro by the end of 2020, It'd if it's in existence at all. be a bleak day if it does for British wrestling. Mm. I think it's more likely to happen in 2021. I could see him trying to fight this year if things start going badly um, and maybe giving up the fight in 2021. But yeah, I could see him getting through the year. But yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going with unlikely, but not impossible. It's probably the yeah, way I, yeah, I yeah, see yeah. it, uh, and that's definitely worrying. Uh, last couple then. Uh, IPW UK comes back from the dead, likely or unlikely. <laughs> that thing won't go away. Hopefully not. Oh, yeah, God, it's hopefully a zombie it just goes point. away. Well, they, just just leave us. They reset up Fight Nation now, haven't they? So, mm. yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> 
Or Fight Nation. <laughs> Sorry, that was me doing takeover reactions. I mean. Fight Nation. I know, oh, so big fun. Scrap that. The recession's over. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Do we see any of the dead promotions coming back? Defiant or Five Star or anyone like that? Nah. Nah. No. no. You, you'd be mad to try and bring some of those back now at this point. One PW. There's... That could happen. One PW. Yeah. <laughs> if Abyss leaves the NXT as an agent or something, and he's available to do a tour <laughs> over here, maybe. Um, come I, back. I think, yeah, it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll, it, there'll be a kind of like a lot of these promotions will just be looking to stabilise for next year, just mm. get themselves onto sort of firm, just keep the doors open, really, yeah. keep the doors open, and don't try and reinvent the wheel and work on the small things that get that crowd in, and also something that they're all having to do is actually try and get the goodwill back of people who've gone to shows before rather than just thinking I'll bollock them because they're not wrestlers alright well a final one and just for you Joe likely or unlikely Josh Bowden returns to Rev Pro oh, I can't see it ever happening in a way <laughs> I think this is an awful move but I would kind of love it at the same time <laughs> but I shouldn't say that too loudly because um, it would be Awful, but kind of brilliant. <laughs> Never. I don't think it's ever going to happen. No, I don't think so. I think he seems to hate wrestling and hate wrestlers and, yeah, anything to do with wrestling. And, yeah, the guy's just a complete arsehole and he's not worth working with, basically. Can yeah. I Can I propose one, Benno, as well? Go for it. Go for it. It's going to open up to the floor. Jimmy Havoc returns at unboxing. <laughs> oh, that seems very lightly. Him and Jim having an emotional moment in the ring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gives yeah, like Jim a piece of paper. At the end gives... of the show. Like, off, yeah, I can't see him being on the VOD, but I could see him coming back and just having, a, like Benno just said, an emotional moment at the end of the show. Do you, do you think um, Jimmy Abbott will give Jim a piece of paper so he can cut in between his fingers and pour some lemon juice in his, <laughs> his wounds? And just then they all have a pint. Well, someone says he's necking a pint, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone got any other any other uh, lightly or lightly as they want to do? We we've already done progress on ICW on the network. We it's probably happening this year. But anyone got any other interesting ones? Sticking with progress, do you think Jim Smallman at the end of the show is just going to do a massive fuck you to the fans and go, "I didn't like you anyway. You weren't my man. I was just fucking saying it for the money." <laughs> that, that would be awesome. That would be the best thing he's ever done in his life if he did that. I, I do have a, I do have a serious one. Um, G1, do they run a show in London? Ooh, I don't think they do if they, 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 they move it to the autumn. No, I don't think they do if they move it to the autumn. I think they run here again in the summer um, because okay. they won't be able to run in Japan necessarily in the summer. Or if they're running in Japan, they're running outside of Tokyo. So I think they do a bit of a tour in the summer. And I think that's mm. when they do, while the Olympics are going on. And when those we'll find out on the 4th, won't we, what the calendar plans yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hope not because I've got something big booked at the same weekend as uh, the weekend they came over here this year. So, yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> On that date, anyway, a different date. <laughs> I've killed the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> anything else, Martin? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's about it. I mean, just to wrap up the show and as a whole, obviously, nothing left to say the name. Massive thank you to Benno and Jamesy for another great year of shows. Couldn't ask for a better podcast co-host. So thanks a lot, guys. And, of course, JP and Joe, thanks a lot for coming on again. Really appreciate it. And then 
Anyone else who's helped out on the show this year? Lee Malone, Will Cooley, Mark Buckledy, Andy Ogden. You know, thanks a lot for uh, your contributions. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening this year. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks any... for having us on, Martin. No, no, Absolute really pleasure coming on. Thank you guys coming on, as, as always. And uh, any plugs anybody wants to get out before we uh, head out of here? I suppose we... Sorry, James, you go first. I was just going to say, if you haven't heard it, have a listen to the Star interview. It's it's on the, the same feed as this and on the main post-wrestling feed. And my Twitter is at Jamesy underscore 2015. Go on, lads. You can plug Grapple. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to plug the Grapple app, um, which has been, you know, for us, we've, we've joined over with Gareth this year and it's been absolutely brilliant really enjoyed it's been it's been fantastic stuff and if you haven't got the grapple app uh download it rate and review matches join the argument um and then i'll let you two mention the podcast yeah give it a listen (laughs) (laughs) yeah give it a listen what a worker (laughs) yeah we're doing Ask Rev Joe next week. There you go. I'll plug that. Yes. Um, we're going to do our, our annual Q and A where we uh, we have a couple of beers and we uh, take the questions. And I I try not to censor, and I will I will attempt to ask any question that people want to put to us. So if you want to get involved in that, do tweet a uh, hashtag Ask Rev Joe, and we'll uh, we'll get to them um, the weekend after. Actually, this uh, this thing comes out. But yeah, also yeah, uh, thanks to Gareth at Grapple for to for taking us on. Um, it's been been brilliant hasn't it since we uh we joined them around uh wrestlemania season so hopefully we go into strength strength next year but also thanks to john away for hosting us guys on post and especially you martin as well for a great job you've yep. done uh sheer hosting yes, and, uh, holding this uh this the boat brigadier together. of brit rest there it is <laughs> and also i just wanted to say you know um obviously fantastic podcast by you guys over at grapple but you know that's off to gareth because i mean how long has the app been going about a year and it already seems to be part of the rec- wrestling sort of lexicon now you know you hear a lot of people talking about the grapple app and them mm-hmm. using it and stuff so you mm-hmm. know that's off to him for the fantastic job he's done but i mean before we just get into too much of a sort of like an ass kissing contest let's uh, <laughs> That'll be Benno and JP for that passport soon, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, I'm off to Japan on the 1st of January. Um, We've got a show scheduled for the 3rd of January, so I'm sure Benno and Jamesy can hold down the fort on that one. I mean, are you guys thinking about doing a live NXT UK takeover show? (laughs) I thought I I was was on for that one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I can't believe you left the continent just to get away from us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you guys are watching pissing out, some people off on that one, Martin. So watch <laughs> out. Uh, Dad's away, so yeah, yeah I think the dog's <laughs> Right, yeah, so uh, Merry Christmas, everybody, and uh, thanks for listening throughout the year, and we'll uh, catch you in the new year. <laughs>